Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Wednesday, April 19th. We are here live. It's time for Destination Health. I've got Lauren here with me this morning. We have no guest today. Uh, I don't really have a theme. Well, maybe I do. We'll talk about it a little bit. Lauren, good morning. Good morning, Kevin. So, uh, no guest today. Free for all. I know. It's been a while since we've had a destination health free for all. And I was thinking about it yesterday and working on some ideas. And um, I, I'm going to stay pretty big picture today. Um, we'll get into a couple things. We'll wait for some calls and see where this goes. What's uh, What's been on your mind lately and what do you have going on? Um, you know, just some different things in the news that I'm sure we can bring up and maybe you'll, you'll bring them up. Um, but, uh, other than that, just trying to get the yard looking better, trying to save some monarch butterflies because every time I weed, I find more caterpillars. And I feel like last year I just watched wasps eat all the caterpillars. So we didn't, they didn't really have a, a chance to make it. So I'm, I kind of gathered the ones I've been finding and put them in a net um, there you kind go. of garden. There you go. Yeah. And a weed. Yeah. So we'll see how that turns out. But I think we have close to 10 caterpillars and I think there are about 10 eggs in there as well. So I decided to plant some milkweed this year because that's how you attract monarchs. That's where they live. That's what they eat. And, I, you know, bought some seeds and I figured as I'm doing everything else, I'll, you know, plant some of this. And um, I failed to realize that in order for milkweed to um, germinate, the seed has to go through a cold spell. So if I would have been paying attention, I needed to plant the seeds in the fall so that they go through the cold spell in the ground over the winter, then they'll germinate in the spring. The other option that I'm trying is um, you put them in good moist soil in some sort of a container, you wrap that in plastic and you stick them in your refrigerator for a month. So I've got a couple containers of dirt with seeds in the refrigerator. We'll see what happens. Oh, I'm excited to know if that actually works. Our, our milkweed is growing out of control, which is great. I, I welcome it because I love those monarch butterflies I and I want to help support. Yeah. So, you know, unless I'm playing around, the milkweed's pretty actually. Um, I had to clean them off. Um, they, they were yesterday, they were, I had a few plants covered in aphids. So trying to figure out how to get rid of aphids on the milkweed without killing Lady. caterpillars or larva. The ladybugs, I found out, will eat the eggs and larvae. Oh, boy. That's going to be challenging then. Really challenging because aphids aphids are tough to get rid of. They're easy if you have ladybugs. They're really easy. Takes care of the problem right away. Yeah. Um, That's one of the reasons I bring in ladybugs every year. And this year I built a couple houses around the garden for the ladybugs. I didn't know they would do that, though. Huh. Yeah, I well, we have tons of ladybugs, and I welcome the ladybugs as well, because you're right. They are the best way to keep the aphids under control. But when I read that, I started, you know, researching yeah. more, and you know, there's, not, there's not a really good answer for it other than to kind of 
maybe take a swab of alcohol and brush them off and then hose it down really good to get the alcohol. Yeah. Which, and that's pretty much it. And that's a lot of work. Oh, it was. Yeah, it was that's a lot of work. That's a, that's a lot of work. Uh, yeah. So speaking of the garden, since we jumped into the garden topic, we might as well just run with that. Um, I am really excited about the garden this year. I'm way ahead. You know, last year I, I had learned a lot the couple of years before the problem for me last year was I was on the road, uh, until May. I didn't get home last year till May. I left in February or whenever it was early and I didn't get back till May, like 10, 10 right. days into May or so. And I felt like the whole season last year I was behind. I was always rushing because something was needed to get done. And I, I didn't really lay out the garden last year the way I wanted or plan it. And I still had an incredible harvest. I mean, that's where the whole, you know, hot honey thing came from, but it could have been a lot better. I mean, I was shocked at how good it was that, you know, I felt like I was just always behind. This year, it's the opposite. This year, every day I'm waiting to be able to do something. I'm, I'm ahead of everything and I'm waiting to be able to do something. I, I should count, but if I just estimate off the top of my head right now, I'll bet I have 2,000 seeds planted. I have 2,000 plants growing. I mean, everything right now. I have a couple new trays I just did the other day that haven't germinated yet. But I've I've got somewhere between 1,500 and 2,000 plants going already. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That's amazing. I, I figured out a really, really inexpensive way to start from seed. So I've been using grow lights and heaters out in a trailer, and that's pretty expensive. I mean, there's no way you could cost justify that. If 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 I were, say, growing my own food to save money, you can't cost justify running heaters and lights. Um, but here, that's the only way I could get a head start. Even with a greenhouse, we just don't get enough sun this time of year. We're just starting to now. But, you know, I started plants this year in March in the in the groom room. Mm-hmm. So it's not cost effective, but it allows me to get a lot of plants going. The problem I started to run into is I started so early and I'm using these these little um, seed plugs. So they take um, they take a little plug of coconut core. They call it cocoa core. Have you used any of that yet? Have you seen that? I haven't. I, I I would assume it's similar to just those tiny little like like maybe like two by two inch little squares that you typically stick seeds in germinate right. and get is. started. Yeah, the, okay. typically they would use a lot of peat peat moss in those. The trick is you've, you've got to get them to hold a lot of water. There's not much dirt or soil there, or growing medium, so you'd have to water it twice a day unless you put something in there that holds a lot of water. Typically, they've always used peat moss. They also use peat moss in in soil mixes so that your soil holds more water. The problem is peat moss messes with your pH. And then you have to add something else to adjust the pH back to so your plants will grow. So it's this constant fight of I need more peat to hold more water and then I have to adjust the pH and you're always messing with it. 
So in the last couple of years, and I, I just love the idea of this whole product, they take coconut shells and they grind them down. And it's called Coco Core, C-O-I-R. And this stuff is incredible how much water it holds. Way more than peat moss, and it doesn't mess with the pH. You can use pure cocoa core to start your seeds. You, you don't need anything else. It's just that that medium. There's no dirt. There's no nothing. It's just this coconut core that you use, and they put it in like those little seed plugs, and then you can get 72 of those seed plugs in a tray. And a tray doesn't take up much oh. room. I mean, you could, anybody could do this at home. You could go buy one really cheap grow light, like a $50 grow light, one tray of 72 plugs, and you could start 72 plants at home on a little corner of a table. I mean, that's how simple this is. I, I also found wow. these little portable greenhouses that are really cheap, like a hundred bucks, and they're, I mean, big enough to walk into. It's like a, a six by four, I think is the one I got. They come in a bunch of different sizes. You put these things together with no tools. There's no screws, no nothing. It's a plastic tube frame and then a clear, you know, cover that goes over it and you tie it down. And then there's, there's shelving inside this hundred dollar greenhouse if you use these 72 trays, they've got one, two, three, let's see, you can get six, 12, 24, is that right? 12, 12 trays easily without crowding it in there at all. So that's 12 times 72. So now you start seeing how you can get hundreds of plants going early and you don't even spend maybe a couple of hundred bucks. And, and you could have literally about a thousand plants going in this one little greenhouse to get them started. So now, even if it's really cold and gray the way it's been, I can start the plants in under the lights. Then as soon as they start to germinate and I see they're all healthy, they can move out into one of these greenhouses. I, I'm probably going to end up with two or three of these because when I'm done with them, I'll only use them for a month or so. And then I'll take them down and just put them away. They'll store really easy. Uh, and it's just a great way to be able to get a lot of plants going early. So this year, every year in the garden, I try to have like a, a goal. What am I going to, what's my goal this year? You know, one year it was getting the asparagus growing, which by the way is coming up. Um, I've got asparagus up already. Not not quite enough to eat yet. I've got a couple stalks that came up early. So I think by next week, I'll probably be harvesting asparagus daily. Once it starts, um, then it's just, it's it's amazing to me you can harvest a stalk of asparagus and come back the next day and do it again. It grows that fast. So incredible. I know. It's just crazy to watch that whole process. So my goal this year, now that I've got this whole seed thing figured out and these trays work fantastic, then I can just move them into the greenhouse. It, I can start plants for next to nothing. So I'm just going to keep cranking out plants and I am going to use every available square inch of dirt this year. If I've got dirt, there's going to be a plant going in there. And I'll either give it to the food bank. I'm talking to a couple people about maybe having them do some 
um, farmers markets this year. So we'll send stuff out. I'm just going to grow everything I can possibly grow this year. And as much of it as I can figure out and just see what I can produce in this amount of space. I have a question with all that asparagus, if you're harvesting so much, what, what do you make with that? Do you like, I'm just curious. (laughs) Do you like asparagus? I love asparagus. Have you ever had it fresh like that? Just cut it and. No, okay. I haven't had it that fresh. That, that's the thing you've got to try. I can't explain how good some produce is that you've had from the grocery store. Maybe you like it. The, the, the other example that comes to mind, my absolute favorite, garden peas, just plain old green peas. Mm. If you've never had them mm-hmm. fresh, you, you don't know what they are. What you get in a grocery store or even, you know, if I have a big harvest and I can some of those peas, they're never the same. I mean, once I can them, they they're almost just the same as what you're going to get from a grocery store. But when they are fresh and they come off the pod right off the plant, they are so good. It's not you, you can't even call it a pea. You'd look, you taste it and you go, nope, never had anything like that. Asparagus for me is the same way. I love asparagus. I had no idea how much better it is when you can eat it fresh like that. So a lot of days I'll just, I'll I'll grill it. My favorite way is to um, just marinate it for about an hour or two in a really good olive oil and lemon juice with a little bit of garlic and crushed red pepper. Just let that marinate. And then I throw it on a really screaming hot grill for about a minute. It, it blisters and gets a little black, and but it stays a little crunchy. And oh, I, I, it's so good. Um, and then um, you can only do that. I mean, I'll do that every day for a while. And then as I start to get a little tired of that, because this will go on for about three weeks. You can cut this much asparagus every day for three weeks. Um, then I'll start to ferment it. So I'll just have brine. Oh. I just make quarts of brine ahead of time. It, and that's what I'll actually start doing that today. Cause like I said, I probably, I probably have three stalks out there that today will be big enough to cut. Well, I'm not going to eat three stalks. Um, so I'll, I'll cut those three today and start throwing those in a brine. Okay. And then every day as I start to harvest, I'll just put them in the brine until I can see that I'm start, I'll get a big enough harvest that I can eat them daily. Then at the end, I'll go back to putting them back in the brine. I still have one fermented from last year. I still have a jar of asparagus. My, my guess is if I go to eat it, it's going to be really, really soft, but it's still, Mm -hmm. still good. I mean, it wouldn't hurt you to eat it. So I try to leave things around just to see how long they'll last. Yeah, I don't blame you. I I think, I mean, you did it around when? Like around this time last year, a couple months in? Yeah, it would have been, I I think I was done harvesting asparagus like the first week in June. So it started the first week in May. I harvest for about two to three weeks and then I stop and then you let the plant grow. So the way it works is the the stalk that comes up out of the ground is, is the plant. And if you let it grow, it grows into a big plant and it gets all this 
feathery foliage on it. And But if you cut the stalk when it gets about six inches, then that's the piece of asparagus you eat. And when you cut it, then the plant will send up another one. It doesn't regrow the stalk that just came up. It sends another stalk out of the crown. And then it grows so fast that you can harvest from one plant sometimes every 24 or 48 hours. And depending on how many plants you have, and and some plants will put out two or three a day. They'll put out two or three stalks a day. So this year, I'll be able to do that daily harvest for about three weeks. And then you've got to back off or eventually you'll kill the plant. So then you you stop after about three Mm -hmm. weeks of that, and then you let the plant grow. And then that's the plant that it's just there the rest of the summer. And then it dies back in the fall. And then it comes out. But the cool thing about it, once you get your asparagus plants established, and mine are now, they'll produce for 20 to 25 years. That's incredible. Yeah, Jeez. I know. I know. I love that. So it just goes dormant in the bed all winter long, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it just starts growing just, again. Just a, 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 a stalk of asparagus, just like you're used to seeing, just pops up out of the ground. Like a finger. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. And it looks exactly. The other thing that's weird, and I, I got to go do a little research on this because I'm not sure I understand how this works. I've seen asparagus that is tiny, 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 very, very skinny asparagus. And then I've seen asparagus that's yeah. as big around as your finger. And the interesting thing mm-hmm. is neither one is better. You know, some vegetables, the younger and smaller they are, the tender and sweeter. With asparagus, that's not true. I mean, asparagus seems to taste good and have a good texture no matter what size it is. But I don't know what Mm -hmm. determines what that size was. I would have thought that it was the age of the plant, that as the plant got older and bigger, your asparagus would get bigger. Except I planted what were called three-year crowns. So somebody took a seed, put it in the ground, waited three years. Then the, the plant that grows, they they actually knock all the dirt off the roots and you buy these bare roots. And, the, and they're three years old, so they'll start producing the next year. So you don't have to put a seed in the ground and wait four years. So my plants are young. I mean, this is my second year that I'll be harvesting. But the asparagus that's coming up right now, as soon as it breaks the ground, it's as big around as my finger. But then I have other plants that only put out really tiny, skinny stalks. I don't really understand how or why or what determines that. Yeah, that's really interesting. But because you're right. I noticed the same thing in the store. There's like really, really thin ones, and then there's like much larger ones. Yeah. And so, yeah, I wonder what. Like I said, they're all the same. They all taste good. The only difference is is how quick they cook. I mean, they, those really, yeah. <laughs> really skinny ones, you hardly have to cook those at all. Mm-hmm. Even my big ones, if you pull them fresh out of the garden, I can eat them raw. They're, they're actually pretty good. Oh. I mean, I, if I had so many of them and I didn't know what to do with them, I would probably make some, some soup. Like a skinny asparagus soup. soup. would be good. That's a good idea. The The very tips work well in salads. Eat raw. You don't have to do anything yeah. to them. Marinate them even, like I said, just take them out of the marinade, chop the tips off and throw those mm. in the salad. That's good. Uh, so, 
What else is going on in the garden this year? Like I, I said, I'm excited about this whole process I've kind of developed with with these trays and how quick it is to just keep cranking out plants. So I'll actually do a couple things. I'll um I, I'll probably start offering plant starts here in the neighborhood. You know, if people want to, especially if the kids, you know, want to mm-hmm. grab a couple plants and I'll help put them in a pot and grow something. Um, and who knows, we, we may do some farmer's market stuff this year, but I, I'm just really shocked that now that I've got this system, how quick and easy it is to crank out a lot of plants from seed. And and I, I'm looking this year, you go to buy a flat of plants this year. Like if you, let's say you wanted a, a flat of broccoli or, or whatever your favorite vegetable is, they are like four and $5 a plant now this year. You can't justify that. That plant, that broccoli plant, no. only puts out one head of broccoli. Oh, only one. Yes, broccoli plants only. So plant. then, what happens now? If you can, if you harvest the the main head, the first head that grows, some varieties will grow smaller offshoots. But what I have found is the minute I cut that main head off and then I want to let it grow those smaller ones, for some reason, that plant, does it, it's not healthy anymore. The bugs seem to attack it right away, and I'm constantly – so I don't even bother with that anymore. Once I harvest the head, cabbage is the same way. A cabbage plant only produces one head of cabbage. And you can cut it, and then it will start producing smaller heads – but again, once I cut it, it's like the health of the plant goes downhill and you're just fighting with it all the time. So how, how do you justify paying $5 for a broccoli plant when I could go buy a head of broccoli cheaper? <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> right? It doesn't make any sense other than it's just very satisfying to grow your own food and eat it. But I can't cost justify buying those plants. And that's almost the way everybody, you know, does their garden. They go buy plants. I uh, Really, the trick to gardening is figure out how to start from seed. It, it's everything becomes possible. Then you have all the varieties to choose from. You can. Uh, here's the other thing. I, I would have thought that these plants that come out of these nurseries, you buy, you know, this flat of plants and they look perfect. They're all bushy and green and healthy and they're all the exact same size and they're very uniform. I would have thought that those were the best plants you're going to get. You know, they've got this down to a science, except they're not. Every plant that I grow from seed outperforms every plant I grow from a nursery. Now, mine don't look as nice. They're not as uniform. They're growing at all different sizes and rates. And some plants are, you know, not healthy. So I just call those out and get rid of them. But overall, every time I start a plant from seed, it is healthier and produces more than anything I buy from a nursery. Uh, Yeah, I believe that. And instead of $5 a plant, I can pay $5 for 100 seeds. Yeah, (laughs) there you go. And then if you learn... I think people are... If you use heirloom varieties and you learn how to recover your own seeds, then you don't even have that $5 cost next year. There you go. You're absolutely right. It really just goes back to people's, you know, laziness and the fact that everyone wants immediate gratification and, you know, they want to take home the pretty plant 
<laughs> like take yeah, the, it, the magic pill. It, that's a good point. And even when we decide, okay, we're going to start a garden, you know, it, it can be intimidating. So we do go buy the plants. And then the problem becomes you look at this and you go, this is not saving me a penny. This is going to cost me more. And, and that's that it doesn't that seem crazy? You go buy these plants, you're going to put them in the ground, you're going to take care of them for months. And then you're going to harvest them and it costs you more than if you just go to the grocery store and buy the food instead. That's how screwed up our system has become. Yeah. You know, we <laughs> think it's such a good thing that we can produce all this food so cheap, but it turns out it's really not. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. So I, I we, Lisa and I were talking about this the other day. We did those we had that huge tomato harvest. So we we produced tons and tons of sauces, you know, a meat sauce, uh, uh, a chili sauce. Uh, I could make ketchup and barbecue sauce from all of this. And and even after doing all of that and then eating these jars of sauce for a year, I am already looking at we still have over half of what we harvested from last year. And we're already getting ready to start growing again this year. But I I looked at it and I said, so, you know, maybe when we do this, you know, the farmer's market stuff, maybe we'll start selling some sauce, you know, we'll, but I look at it and I go, okay, you go to the grocery store, you can buy a jar of spaghetti sauce for four bucks. I'm not selling mine for less than 10 I have way too much yeah. money and work in it. At 10, it seems like I'm giving it away. I put so much work into it. So it is, it, it's virtually impossible to cost justify growing your own food unless you get to the point where you're producing your own compost and saving your own seeds. That's the only way it makes any sense. So otherwise you just have Agreed. to say, look, I'm just going to do it because it's good for me. It's a good hobby. It's it's good to have a little bit of food security in today's world. I, th- this one of the topics I had on my list today to talk about are these damn food facilities still catching on fire and blowing up, and eighteen thousand cows dying in a barn. And it, what is with all these stories about food issues? I, 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 people need to pay attention to this. Yeah, they really do. Did you see that 18,000 cows in Texas? No. Yes, That's I have that noted in my... I can't believe that. How does that even happen? And why were there so many in one That's building? The, That's the problem. Wrong. Right, right. And when I talked about this the other day on the air... Um, one of the callers hauls in and out of those places. He's actually been to that facility where that fire occurred... Oh. He tells me that's not wow. a barn with 18,000 cows is not the biggest. That's just like medium size. He said there's far oh. bigger operations. Oh, that's scary. Isn't that <laughs> awful? Oh, it's horrible. It was a dairy farm, correct? Yeah. And they were bringing them in oh. to milk them at the time. My thought is, how the hell do you move 18,000 cows around like that? And he said they actually don't move them that much. They spend most of their time in the barn. Which is even wow. worse. Yeah. Unbelievable. Like, 
come on, people. <laughs> just, I, I, it's, when it feels wrong, it is wrong. It, it, that's exactly right. And the other thing I had on my list was just the what's happening with our health overall in the world uh, on two fronts. One, our, our overall health, our metabolic health, we know how bad it is. Um, and it's getting worse, more and more fake meat. I posted one yesterday. Um, I can't remember the name of this company now. I'd have to go look it up again. They are releasing a fake chicken breast. So it looks exactly like a boneless, skinless chicken breast, except it's completely fake. I just don't get it. If someone doesn't want to eat animal meat, then why are they trying to make things look like animal meat? Do you know what? I mean, so I, I, I follow a lot of vegans on, on social media now, so I can try to figure out what their thought process is. It's pretty interesting for a lot of them. They really do say that they don't skip eating meat because they think it's bad for them or that they don't like meat. They really do it to save the animal. That really is their thought process. They, they, their only reason for wow. not eating meat is they don't believe it's okay to kill the animal. So then they say, no, we do want those substitutes. I, I want to feel like I'm eating meat. I just don't want to kill an animal. That seems to be a pretty big um, approach to this. Uh, I know. Okay. I know. But they're killing animals when they eat anything. Oh, you, you can't. Don't even try that argument with them. They go ballistic if you bring them. No, seriously. They just, they become unhinged if you try. Oh, that tired old argument again. Except they never really dispute the argument. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess it, it well, first off, vegans for some reason seem to be okay killing bugs. They, they don't seem to have a problem. They, they use the word sentient. Bugs aren't really a sentient being. So now we're going to distinguish between bugs. So let's, okay, throw the bugs out. What about all the little mammals you're killing when you're planting all that kale? Moles and, and rabbits are killed and all kinds of other little mammals. Those are sentient beings. Why are you okay killing all those when we don't even really get to benefit from that death. That's just a wasted death. Yeah, I get it. We have to kill animals to eat. I love animals. I, I But I understand uh -huh. how the world works. Everything on the planet eats something else that's alive to live. That's how the world works. You can't, why would you try to change that? That doesn't mean that I'm just fine killing animals. I think it's horrible that we kill all those animals to produce kale. If I kill an animal, I'm going to eat it. And and I, I yes. believe in that idea that we should honor that animal that we've killed so that we can live. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. I mean, I guess I've never had an argument with a, a vegan, like a true vegan. They're, um, they have become militant. It, it, it is. Yeah, it, I've seen it. I've it seen is, that on the news. Yeah, it sure. is unbelievable. What, so, and that's the reason I follow a lot of them. Uh, so I can see what they're up to, how they think. And I will not, I, I gave up pretty quickly trying to interact with them. 
if they comment on, you know, because I'm posting carnivore stuff all the time, if they comment, I totally ignore them. I don't block anybody or delete any, but I, I just ignore them. I will not respond to them because it is a total waste of time. Wow. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty crazy. So the other topic, you know, kind of the big picture stuff, I, I think people should really get serious about creating some sort of food security themselves, growing your own food, raising some chickens, whatever you're capable of. I don't care if it's one plant out on the patio. Seriously, just just start somewhere and learn how to do it. There's too much news around the world that there seems to be some sort of an attack on our food system. And you know, there's all this talk of everything that's happened is more control. If they control the food, they control you. I mean, that's what this will come down to. So, you know, call me a conspiracy theory, you know, doomsday prepper, but I like the fact that I can grow my own food. Um, the other thing mm-hmm. I, I think that, you know, the the whole health picture overall worldwide, they have us eating a lot of food that's keeping us sick and unhealthy. That makes us easier to control. Um, but then this idea of what, do, do we really believe that COVID was the last pandemic? No, not, I don't. Nobody should. Nobody should. This is not going away. It's they, they, if nothing else, this was a way to control people. But we also know that we've screwed the, a lot of our medical system up, like antibiotics are, are becoming almost worthless we are getting closer and closer to super bugs, not one, maybe multiple super bugs that will come out of this. Um, things that could be far, far worse than COVID. Um, in the last four months, I have followed outbreaks of Marburg, way worse than COVID. Ebola, there are outbreaks of Ebola around the world. Sea Oris, um, a fungal outbreak that could become dangerous. The issue with all these outbreaks that are out there right now is that they will not become pandemics unless something changes in these pathogens. So Ebola is Ebola would have a very very hard time creating a pandemic because you have to come in contact with bodily fluids. It it doesn't transmit easily from person to person and it's easy to stop the transmission. So once we identify an outbreak, we know how to go in and stop that outbreak. Same thing with Marburg, monkeypox. Many of these things are are far more deadly than COVID was by 10 and 20 times more deadly, but they don't transfer easily. But that's what could change. Uh, uh, a COVID-like virus or COVID itself can still uh, mutate. I mean, I, isn't it odd that we haven't had a new variant in a long time? How come? Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I haven't even weird. thought about that. Something's weird's going on there. We should have new variants constantly. That's what viruses do. So why did that whole thing mm-hmm. stop? 
So they so a covid like virus, which is already out there, we know how easily it spreads. That could mutate to become more deadly. That would be a problem. The deadly viruses Mm -hmm. that have been out there and, and fungal outbreaks that don't spread easily, but are very deadly. They could mutate and start spreading more easily. And all of these things are becoming more and more um resistant to any kind of drugs. I mean, let's think about it. Do we have any effective treatment against COVID? The vaccine obviously just doesn't work at all. That that whole thing is such a joke. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And it's probably killing people and making them very sick. Um, we're finally starting to admit it. Um, it. The truth will come out. It'll come out so slow over time, though, that it won't have any really big impact. Um, but I think it in in people's lives right now, if there's one decision people should be really thinking through and making a decision, it's about their health. Are you going to continue down the path of eating the standard American diet and dealing with all of that? Or are you going to take control of your health? And if nothing else, this idea of these pandemics should scare you enough. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't care what the pathogen or disease is, the healthier you are as a human being, the better your outcome is going to be. Yeah, definitely. And this is still definitely. the one thing in our life we have total control over. You know, we don't even have total control over our money anymore. I, I'm I'm a little worried that I've done a lot of things right financially over the last decade or so. And that could all disappear if they keep up with their economic policies that are killing our dollar. If we have rampant inflation, just because you saved a whole bunch of money, so what? The money becomes worthless. If they keep devaluing the dollar the way it's going right now, we're going to have a financial crisis. So even when you think you've controlled your money, maybe you haven't. Or maybe it, it won't matter because they've devalued that money so much. So really, the one thing we really still have a lot of control over is our health. Yes. It's one of the only things we have control over. Yep. So we better take advantage of that. Hey, we've got a call. He's been holding a long time. And I'm pretty sure if I tell everybody we're waiting on calls, they'll start calling. So, hey, everybody, we're waiting on calls. Go ahead and start calling. Phone lines are open, 855-950-3835. Let's go to Oklahoma. Lloyd, welcome to the program. Hello, Kevin. Uh, It's interesting you opened today talking about hydrating plants. I've got a question about hydrating humans. Okay. (laughs) Uh. Alkalizing water, I've been Okay, stop right there. Stop. Is that true? Stop right there. There's a ton we can talk about with alkalizing water. Um, Here's what I always come back to, though, on almost everything. Where exactly were hunter-gatherers getting alkalized water? Mike, that's a good question. I'd like to know. Yeah, they weren't. They weren't. So this theory comes about because... Our body, we can measure alkalinity or acidity in our body in many, many different places in many, many different fluids. pH, uh, here's a trivia question. Anybody know what pH stands for? 
Lauren, God. you should know this. You were taught this. I should. I should <laughs> know this. Remember it though, can you? No, I can't. It's, it's not mine. I've thought of since. <laughs> What's that, Lloyd? Crickets on my end. Okay. It stands <laughs> for the power of hydrogen. Aha. Uh-huh. Power of hydrogen. So the pH scale, like uh, basically zero to what, 7.5 or 8, somewhere around there. The lower the number, the more acidic something is. The higher the number, the more alkaline or base it is. So in either extreme, both of those start to become very caustic. Um, Acid, we know what acid does to things. And the more acidic something is, the more caustic it is. But alkaline gets caustic way at the other end of the extreme as well. So then there are pH levels that we want our body at. We can measure pH in our saliva. We could measure pH in our blood. We could measure pH in our urine. We could technically measure pH in our cells. There's a pretty tight range that our body wants to stay in to be healthy. It's the the same way we look at blood sugar. A healthy body will maintain blood sugar in a very tight range. A healthy body will maintain hydration in a very tight range. A healthy body will maintain pH levels. What we know, though, is most diseases in our body tend to happen when the environment becomes too acidic. When our body becomes too acidic, we tend to start seeing health issues. So that there's this idea then that we should try to alkalize our body. The interesting thing is, the way you alkalize the body is by in, increasing acid in the diet. It, it, it seems backwards, like so many things we, we think we know about health and we end up getting them completely backwards. The, the best foods to alkalize your body are acidic foods. Lemons, limes, acidic citrus, apple cider vinegar, all of these things actually alkalize your body. And it makes sense. Those are natural substances. All of these attempts to make alkaline water or all of this other stuff, I've never seen results. People can say, look, if we can alkalize the body, these diseases go away. I agree with that. But I've never seen any results from trying to drink these expensive alkalized water. I've seen people spend $6,000 for machines to make their own alkaline water at home. I see zero results from any of this. Yeah. Not to mention that water that you're drinking, that alkaline water, where is it going first? Your stomach. It's going to pass through your digestive system and it's going to go into your stomach where you need high acid. It, levels, right. Not alkaline. Levels. Exactly. Take, drinking alkaline water, you might as well go take a Tums or a Rolades. And we tell exactly. people, don't do that. We don't want to neutralize acid. Not in our stomach. So the, the whole alkaline nope. water thing is a total scam. They make a ton of money off of this stuff and zero results or what results are there are probably more negative than anything else. Totally agree with you. So then my, my question, I hope I'm not interrupting you. My question is uh, really more about hydration, but my daughter was talking to me about alkalizing water and I was like, well, 
what if you're Wait. trying to get more water in your system so or, uh, more hydration in your system yeah a couple tricks Sorry, go ahead. I, i'm yeah i'm all for hydration I, I want people to be well hydrated, no doubt about that. And there are some tricks, and it has nothing to do with alkaline water, and it costs next to nothing. Good, clean, filtered water is all we need, spring water, whatever it might be, just a good quality water source, hopefully with no fluoride and, and minimal chlorine if it's going to be uh, you know tap water. One of the ways to stay more hydrated is you can't gulp down 12 ounces of water because you got thirsty. If you're at that point, you're already screwing up. You should be sipping water all throughout the day and staying hydrated constantly, putting in a little lemon, um, lime juice, some sort of citrus juice, apple cider vinegar. That can all help with hydration and mineral balance and, and alkalizing our body. So those are all good tips um, the other thing that, um, we had, uh, boy, I just drew Brian from sauna space on that was a live show. Wasn't it? I'm getting confused with my mini series recordings. And yeah. It's actually been live. So we may yeah, have, we may have discovered something really interesting about hydration during that show. So I'll go over this again. I, I explained it during that show, but I'll go over it again. Lauren, did you? You were there, right? I don't or did think you I was there. That week? Maybe you missed that week. So we had Brian on from know. Sauna Space. And no, I was here, for, but I don't remember talking about. You'll probably remember it once I get into this, because it was okay. It was kind of a weird little thing that that it kind of popped into my head as we were talking about something. I said we're going to have to do more testing to see if I'm right about this. So. I I haven't talked a lot about this topic at all. There, the a lot of the scales on the market now, scales to weigh yourself, um, are what they call smart mm-hmm. scales. We sell one in the store from Garmin. So these scales yeah. use a, a very small electrical charge to measure um, hydration in your body. It can measure uh, fat percentage to muscle. Now I've said they're not totally accurate, not at all. Um, yeah. but they're, they, they can be a good measurement for yourself. So I don't care if it's completely accurate on what my body fat percentage is, but I can see trends. If my body fat percentage is going up, then even if it's not completely accurate, I want to know why it's going up. So these scales, even though they're not yeah. accurate on a lot of these measurements can still be really valuable. So I did a lot of testing on these scales. I wanted to make sure if we were going to carry the Garmin scale, it was good. And it it is. Uh, There are some other good ones on the market. I've tested a bunch of them. The the hydration level is, is interesting. So I've had this experience recently with all this testing I was doing with the saunas and the light therapy and the stress. I would check all of these things before I would go do my sauna session. So I would get on the scale. I'd check weight because we know that if you're trying to use a sauna for detox, the targets we're shooting for is we want to raise our body temperature by three degrees. So we could check our body temperature before we get in. Then we can check it while we're in there. We want to see our body temperature climb by three degrees. 
And when we're done in the sauna session, we want to have lost a full pound of water weight. So we should be a pound lighter when we get out of our sauna session. A pound of water is a lot of water. Really is. It's a lot of sweat. (laughs) Yeah, but that's when you can do those. If you can hit those goals, you got the maximum detox effect from the sauna. So it kind of tells us was that, you know, a good effective sauna session. So I started checking my weight and hydration levels and all these other things before and after. And this really bizarre thing happened. Um, So let's say I'll just give you the number on hydration. I I might get a number on one of the scales like 56.2. And actually for me, that would be like very hydrated. That is like the top of my hydration scale. If I get up over 57, I'm actually over hydrated. There are also times I might get down as low as 52. And at 52, I am very dehydrated. So that's how tight the scale is. So, I would expect that if I was 56 on hydration before I went in the sauna and did the session and I lose an entire pound of water, that my hydration level probably should have gone down to, say, 54 or so. Where if it it was 54 when I went in and it's probably going to be about 52 when I come out, I'm going to have to really rehydrate, which I always do. Except the first time I tested this, the exact opposite happened. I had a really good sauna session. I lost the full, like 1.1 pounds of water. My body temperature raised significantly. I come out of the sauna and my hydration level goes through the roof. And I'm like, wait a minute, this makes no sense at all. I expected the exact opposite. And I've been testing this for a couple of weeks now and it's consistent. Every time I do this, my hydration level goes up, not down. And I thought, I'm gonna, I don't even know where to start researching this. I, I did a couple searches. I've looked for some papers. I can't find anything about this. So we're, we were talking to Brian, and Brian starts talking about the near-infrared penetrates deeper into the body and Lauren, have you ever heard the term structured water? Yes, absolutely. I have a little device that actually... Dr. Mercola is big on structured water. And unlike when, Lloyd, when I asked you the question, where would hunter-gatherers get alkaline water? And they wouldn't. But there is a way to get structured water in nature, in fruits and vegetables. The water we get from plant foods is structured and the molecules are arranged differently. And that's what we call structured water. And the reason we want structured water is our body absorbs that water better. And it turns out the near infrared wavelength structures the water that's already in our body and in our cells, and then our body absorbs it better. So as soon as he said that, I thought, is that the explanation for why I'm coming out of the sauna more hydrated than when I went in? And he, and Brian wasn't sure if that was the answer. Both of us decided we'll, we'll go see if we can figure out if that's what's happening or not. Mm-hmm. 
Seems to make sense to me. I mean, you convinced me. <laughs> no, I haven't. Had time. I mean, I, this is going to be tough. Like I said, I've started to try, but I'm going to have to really, really dig deep to find some stuff. And I just haven't had time yet. So I, this is another reason why, you know, we want to figure out ways to get these red lights into the truck and spend more time under these lights. And um, it does seem to change hydration levels. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Which, by the way, we can get that same effect from just being in the sun. Let's not forget that. You don't have to have these red lights. Yeah. These lights are a replacement for sun and firelight. But you, you can still yeah, use sun that and firelight. Yeah, isn't that awesome? I loved hearing that because I spend a lot of time around fires yeah. like in the winter. It, it, and it was so nice to hear that. <laughs> you know, shouldn't shouldn't we realize by now that that things like that, natural things like that, that make us feel good? Shouldn't that be a clue? I mean, is there anybody who doesn't yeah. like sitting by a fire? No. <laughs> really, it's one of those things we all absolutely love. That should be a clue. Mm-hmm. I agree. Same thing with early morning sun, feeling that warmth of the early morning. And then that, that's kind of why I call that single light from sauna space my happy light. That's what it reminds me of in the morning when I turn it on in a dark room. It's the only light I have on when I start to read. It feels like that morning sun, and it's you feel the heat from the light itself. The room can be cold, yet you feel this deep, penetrating heat, just like you do from the sun. And then in the evening when I use it, it feels more like I'm sitting around a campfire. Mm-hmm. They actually yeah. call that one their <laughs> firelight. That, that's kind of, you know, it's replacing that, that soft, warm kind of firelight glow. Mm-hmm. I think from now on, Kevin, when we ask you guys a question, the question should be, first of all, what did our ancestors and hunter-gatherers do? And it, then we, we don't need you anymore, Kevin. Exactly. No, you, you are correct. And, and here's the thing. We all know if we want to go complicate all of these issues, we can complicate the hell out of this stuff. I could bring in 10 experts on every one of these topics and we could argue and fight all day about who's right or who's wrong. Everybody has a research paper they can go point to and say, no, look, I can prove it. Well, yeah, I can prove the exact opposite just as easily. After years of this, I've kind of given up on all that. Every question for me now comes back to what did our hunter-gatherers do? Yeah, agreed. So, and and you're right. You you don't need me. You you could read and research the same stuff just like I do. And that's what I want. I, I want people to be able to do this stuff themselves. Here's the thing. I don't worry about job security. If I taught every single person in the tribe everything I know right now, there'd be another tribe right behind them. Mm-hmm. It's not like I'm going to run out of people to help. I, I want people to learn this stuff on their own. I, I don't want people to have to always call and ask me the question. Yeah. 
All right, Lloyd, thanks. The uh, I just thanks noticed the uh, calls started piling up on us here. We're going to... Uh... Oh, hold on. Why is my system being so slow? Hmm. Let me try something here. Has anybody else had big internet issues this week? Lauren, have you had any internet issues? No, I can't say I have. But I'm on the opposite side of the country. So. I know. I just I wonder why this week. I mean, as far as I can tell right now, I'm surprised that I'm still you're still hearing me. Oh, wait a minute. You're hearing me because I'm on the phone. Because I have no internet right now. I wonder if the live stream. Oh, really? Is yeah, I, I, I can't. I can't load the phone system. Lloyd, are, who are we just talking to? I, Lloyd. Yeah, I, I thought, can still hear you. I thought so. I the last thing I did was hit the button to hang up on you, and then my entire screen disappeared, and now I can't connect to our phone server anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, if you want to, Lloyd, just go ahead and. Minutes on Audio Road. It says on Audio Road I need to catch up two minutes. I don't know if that helps you or not. Yeah. Well, any information right now helps because I cannot connect to the internet. So I'm surprised that my live stream is actually still going out. Mm-hmm. Let me try restarting. The still moving. It. Oh, well, ne- never mind. Now it says I'm three minutes behind. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I can't get to the phone system. Um, oh, I know what I could do. Hey, um, who's call screening today? Okay, it uh, says, Angie. Audio Road says we'll be right back. Oh, so I am off. I don't know if that helps. Yeah, it says we'll be right back. Audio Audio Road Network will be right back. Ah, all right. So interesting. So we're still able to talk because we're on the phone, uh, but. I'm not sending out a live stream because my internet seems to be down. Um, let me see if. Oh, yeah, I'm getting all kinds of warnings on my end now. Yep, I am not broadcasting anymore. So, um, Lloyd, if you want, just go ahead and hang up on your end. Um, Lauren. Yep, I'll let you go. Thank you very much, guys. I appreciate you. All right. Thank you. Um, Bye. Uh, all right. So let's. I was going to say I could have Angie bring another call on, but nobody can hear the show. I guess we're still recording. Maybe my internet will come back. Um, Angie, why don't you do that? Go ahead and bring on a caller for me, and and we'll just keep going and see if the internet just comes back on. At some point, I may just have to restart everything. All right, who's with me? Hey, it's Jeremy in Missouri. All right, what's on your mind today? Hi. Uh, uh, We were... I've been trying to catch up with your shows. I, I listened to uh, the one. Um, it was so, oh, well, by the way, so interesting about the sauna, sauna, and what you just said about hydration and you, what you're testing. That's that's very very interesting. Yeah, but, uh, that I haven't and I haven't got to that one yet. That could be um, kind of interesting in that I can't find anything to do any more research on it. I mean, other than some things that that verify what Brian told us. That 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 wavelength, that near infrared wavelength, does structure the water, and we do know when water is right there, yeah. our body absorbs it better. But that's about all I can that's find. Awesome. That's awesome. Oh, that's uh, that's pretty cool. 
thanks for doing the testing. <laughs> um, uh, I was calling about your, uh, if you were going to carry the, the copper product, um, in the store that I, I was, I was, I looked it up the sovereign and, and it's liquid. Is that what you're going to carry? Yes. Yeah. We are. I believe it's called their daily care. So it's a lower dose that okay. we, we use for maintenance. So like they have a higher dose okay. that, you know, um, Dr. Wilson will use for cardiac patients when he's got certain issues, he'll use a, a stronger dose, but then there's a daily dose. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm now believing that copper is like magnesium. We don't need a lot of copper in our diet, but we don't seem to be able to get enough out of our diet. So I, this, this daily copper is probably be just going to become one of my regular supplements. Yeah, yeah, because um, well, we don't. None of us probably eat enough organs, right, every day, or to get those kind of nutrients. So, is that um, organs could is that help. why organs could help? And Lauren, aren't you talking about organs later today? Yeah, organs. I am talking about organs. They could help. They they are a oh. good source of yeah. minerals. What we're finding though is even in our regenerative farms we don't seem to have the same mineral levels in our soil we used to have. So then we don't have the same mineral levels in the plants that we used to have. So even the well-raised animals aren't getting the levels of these minerals that they need. Yeah. Kind of like what you were talking about structured, why it makes the soil hold water and all that kind of thing, huh? Healthier plants, healthier soil. Right. So even even these regenerative farms, when we think about this, when, you know, we look at, remember, the plains and that the plains supported millions of bison. And that went on for thousands of years. And the soil, the topsoil became so, so deep. And then we came in and we wiped all of that progress out and all this farmland around our country by using all this chemical farming. So even Joel Salatin, you know, or um, uh, Forrest Pritchard, who is like 13th generation on his farm or whatever that number was, it was incredible. Most of those generations after World War II spent a couple decades destroying that soil. Both of those two said they had to start over. The soil on their farm was awful. It was depleted. They have been working all these years to build it back up. Well, we may not be back to where nature had it. Wow. I, I, I forgot how, well, how, why was it destroyed? Or chemical, why did it start over? Chemical farming. Because their ancestors oh, okay. adopted chemical farming. Almost everybody in the country did. Uh, yeah. Okay. So we, wow. we destroyed all of that beautiful farmland with all of that chemical farming. And now these regenerative farms are trying to bring that back. It might be decades before we see the kind of soil quality that used to exist. <laughs> wow. Um, so the magnesium, uh, I was listening to that. And there was a product with Ned that, Says yeah. uh yes, at the top, pretty much. Yeah, Ned. Okay, is, that's in the store. 
we brought the Ned. That's the company. Correct. And then the product's called Mellow Magnesium. Um, it comes Mellow. In, yeah, it's called That's Mellow. It. Comes in, I think, Meyer Lemon and Lavender. There are a couple flavors for it. Um, honestly, no matter which flavor you choose, I don't really care for the taste of these at all. It's a powder. You mix it in. I actually add it to my cardio miracle every day. Okay. It, all right. I, how about the... What's that, Lauren? Yeah. There is, there is a naked flavor, so there's one oh, that's, that's flavorless, right. so that you add it to Oh, right. All right. Yeah. Um, and the copper, you just take a, a little, are you, are you putting it in this, like your uh, light balance or something? Or there, the coffee, or is it, it, it's such a small yeah. amount. You could, there's a spray. You can spray it right into your mouth. I forget which one we brought in. I think there's a bottle with a dropper. The copper, we need such tiny amounts. Oh, okay. It's really easy to take. The magnesium is a powder, and we need a lot of it. That's why it's got to be dissolved oh, in the liquid. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah, we're going to pick that up. Um, um, as far as uh, last time we were talking about um, wings, I, I know I said, mentioned I put them on a rotisserie, but I forgot to say I use a wing basket, you know, and uh, cook them over fire. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, but anyway, uh, as far as uh, I figured you, you knew that, but uh, I had an idea. I, I, I got a... Um, I'm getting a lot of scraps with, uh, you know, tr uh, brisket trims and, um, and things. And so I was going to, uh, start making sausage. So I got a meat grinder and, uh, I was thinking with those peppers that we, uh, fermented with the honey. Yes. You know, maybe like the jalapeno, uh, maybe like do a, a dice them or cut them up, maybe pulse them in a, in a, in a food processor. And then kind of put them in that with the sausage and maybe cold smoke them. Uh, my question was, do you think that any amount of heat kills the bacteria, like 150 degrees? Um, you know, with stuff like this, I don't think I'm going to get too crazy about the bacteria and temperature. I, I'm going to cook this kind of stuff the way I want. The, the smoke itself could kill the bacteria. I see. So mainly for the so flavor. It really, this is something I'm doing for flavor. I mean, I'm eating enough fermented foods in my diet now that I, everything doesn't have to be fermented. Some things can just be for flavor. But remember, we use smoke to preserve meat and foods because smoke will kill bacteria. Oh, yeah. Okay. And, and so I guess you even smoke foods up to preserve them. Right, right. So pink salt would probably, you know, um, affect it too, or or no? Um, possibly, but remember, we do use quite a bit of salt in a lacto ferment. Most lactobacteria yeah, right. can handle quite a bit of salt. Okay, right? salt can kill bacteria, and that's why we use salt in a lacto ferment. The lactobacteria like yeah, the, salt, the bad bacteria, but the bad bacteria doesn't. Right. Right. So I was going to try making and maybe add that to make a jalapeno sausage, maybe. Absolutely. If I, uh, oh, yeah. I think that would I be learn awesome. how to cold. I learned how to cold smoke. Yeah. Yeah. That would be awesome. Or, or maybe I'll just smoke it now. I don't have to worry about cold smoking it. Just smoke right. it. Yeah. I wouldn't worry about the temperatures. I would do, I, this would okay. be, I, I would come up with the way you like it, the taste. Don't worry about the bacteria on this one. 
All right. And, and there was a, a, um, a, a binder though, that they use, uh, a milk, milk. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. Milk powder instead of any like grain or anything or cornstarch. So I thought that might be a oh, seasoned yeah. milk powder maybe. And, uh, yep. for a binder that would work. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all I got. All right. That's all we need. Thanks for the call. And I actually, hold on one second. I am, I think we're broadcasting again, actually. I switched my internet over to my phone and I have almost no signal on my phone and yet it seems to be working. So right now my phone is carrying both the phone call and the internet for the whole show. And it looks like we're actually broadcasting again. Uh, so I got, me, I got one for political. Uh, food. Go, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, there, there was a story that they were talking about. Uh, uh, they're coming for our. They were coming for our gas stoves. Now they're coming for rice. Ew, did you see that? Uh, yes. It was um, rice is like ten percent of. Um, oh shoot! What is it that we were about? Carbon. Uh, the methane from yeah, methane. The no. methane, I guess, in a Vietnam, in Vietnam that they measured. Yeah, but it was really the burning of the the, of the straw, the yeah. leftover straw that they were burning. I, right, right. It was. Why do they make? Why do they make everything so complicated? Exactly, Lauren. I know what you're talking about. Rice is famous for gathering arsenic from the soil, and we do have to watch arsenic levels in rice. Um, this new issue, though, is they're claiming rice is now one of the um, worst things we're growing for the planet, for the environment, that we're creating all this methane by growing oh. rice. So, yeah. Oh, I haven't seen that. Yeah, it was Janet Yellen or something um, that made it just so complicated. And then exactly. Yeah. So dire, like we're going to die. And then, then you get to the bottom of the article and it's actually the, the burning of the straw of the straw stocks right i don't know okay all right so let me let me try this if <laughs> i have uh I'm back in the system and jeremy oh yep goodbye jeremy and hello colt in colorado looks like uh looks like i'm able to run this off my phone for right now so we'll keep going uh Colt, welcome. Good morning. How are you guys? Good. What's on your mind? Good morning. So the wife and I are facing a little issue coming up here soon with our son. He just turned four years old. And I know how you, uh, I know your opinion on this subject. Um, I've listened to it, but I can't really go back on all the shows and listen, you know, find the little sections where you talk about it. But I was hoping to get your opinion so I could have my wife listen to it. We're, we're kind of on the same page, but not quite, uh, but child vaccinations. Um, I took him in for his four-year-old checkup the other day, which I didn't really understand why. I mean, he's perfectly fine. I don't see why we got to do that, but they're already wanting to get him vaccinated for kindergarten. And I said, he's still got two, you know, a year and a half until he even starts kindergarten. Correct. Why are we pushing this already? So, um, and I, I know how I feel about it. I don't, I don't get jabbed with nothing. I mean, right. I don't like any of it. Right. Um, but, you know, the wife is, you know, she has a little bit different opinion. So I was hoping to get your opinion. Maybe there's some resources where we could get more information and do more research since we have time. Absolutely. You know? 
Two resources. Let me give you the resources first. Two resources I trust around this issue: um, Dr. Mercola, and believe okay. it or, and believe it or not, one of our current presidential candidates. Yeah, uh, Ramaswamy. No, no, Robert Kennedy Jr. No, okay, gotcha. Robert Kennedy Jr. announced he's running for president as a Democrat. Uh, there was a time he used to be a Republican, way, way, way back when. And he is a Kennedy. I mean, this is the Kennedy family. Um, he's never going to make it as president, although I think he might make a fairly good president for a Democrat. Um, if you've ever heard him speak, he has some sort of issue with his voice box and he can't speak well at all. His voice is really, really tense and shaky, and he's very, very difficult to listen to. For that reason alone, he's not going to make president. I, I don't think he has a chance, unfortunately. Yeah, I feel the same. Um, but I know. he has been on this vaccine issue forever, long before COVID. He, b- both him and Mercola, the issues of mercury, aluminum, all these uh, uh, other stuff that's in all these vaccines, why the schedule keeps getting more and more aggressive. Here's one of the things I want both you and your wife to go do. I want you to go back to your doctor in person. Don't call him. I want you to set up another appointment, go back and say in in your state, whatever it is, I want you to ask for the entire schedule from now from for the rest of your life for your child what vaccines are they going to recommend and i want it printed i make them put it in writing and show you what the schedule is in your state the required vaccines to go to school here's the thing if it's at the very least if it's not a required vaccine i'm not taking it I might decide. I I have already said my decision if I had kids would be they would be homeschooled. They would have zero vaccinations. And and I may be extreme in that, but that's okay. That's my decision after doing all the research I've done. I understand not all parents are going to be willing to go that far. So I would say a couple things then. I, I would only do absolute required. If, if, if you cannot have to take a vaccine and the kid can still go to school, fine. Then those are the only ones I'm taking. Also, your approach makes sense. Timing of these matters. The earlier we give these vaccines, the more problems they seem to cause. So when you say, why would I give it to him a year and a half before? I wouldn't even give it to him a month before. He would be getting that vaccine. Whatever vaccines I decided he could take, he or she or whoever, they would get them on the last day that they could get them. That, that's how far I would push it. I would spread them out as far as I could. If they wanted to give multiple vaccines on the same day, I would ask them to spread them out. So there are things you can yeah. do to minimize the risk that there's going to be a problem. So at the very least, okay. I, I would be very proactive. Even if you say, look, we're, we're not going to skip all these vaccines, um, I would be very, very proactive about which vaccines you accept and when they get them. And, and you're just going to have to do a lot of reading. Right. And, and those two resources will get you a long way and they're going to lead you to other resources. And but I, I, I think the the real answer here is everybody has to decide themselves 
how they want to handle this, but I would just encourage people to be very, very proactive about this. Don't let anybody else make these gotcha. decisions for you. Well, I'm, I also have a few things for you. So um, Robert Kennedy's group that you can find him at is the Child Defense. What is it called? Child's I think it's called Defense the Child Fund. Defense Group. Fund, I think. Yeah. So you can find him. You can find him there with a lot of information. And then I have a few other resources. If you do decide that you want to go the vaccine route, but you want to do it safer, um, the Vaccine Friendly Plan is a book by Paul Thomas. He's a and uh, Jennifer Margillis, I think. It's um, they're both doctors. And then there's another one. Um. If you want to watch a movie that's kind of startling about the whole thing, so I can give you several different extremes, but um, the 1986 The Act, it's called, and that was recommended by a guest we had on the show. And I'm trying to remember what guest that was. It was a while. It was months ago. Was it Paul Chow? Um, maybe. No, I don't oh. think so. Okay. I think it went back further than that. I can't recall. But 1986, the act is one. Candace Owens is also, she's been shining a lot of light on vaccinations. She is on Parlor, and that's, um, it's kind of, it's like a social media platform. She's on Parlor, and I know she breaks down the, like the intro vaccines. I'm not sure how far she got, and it's since your son, she's already four. I don't know where he stands with his vaccines, but some of the the earlier ones, like the Hep B and things like that, vitamin K shots, obviously are not going to change you since you're past that that stage. But you might mm-hmm. want to check her out. She is a wealth of information, and I love the way she goes into the CDC website and she looks at you know the pamphlet for the vaccines, and I mean she just really dives deep and she puts it up on, you know, if you have a chance to watch it on video, she can put it up on the screen so you can see it as well. Um, and then there's another one that I don't know much about. It's called Vaccine Immunity and the Changing Nature of Childhood Illness by Thomas Cohen. And the foreword is by Sally Fallon Morell, who we love. Um, and that that's another one that I haven't looked at, so I don't know which way it lies, but I have a feeling it's um, pretty anti-vaccine. Um, so, so that's across the board, different, you know, from one side to the next, whether or not you plan to go forward with it, you just want to space them out. And Dr. Sears is also really well known for spacing them out. I don't, I haven't followed him, but I've heard about him for years. Okay. No, that, that's, yeah, that, that definitely helps out a ton. Um, cause our, we have a daughter who's a couple years older and I hadn't discovered this show at the time when she got all her stuff. Um, when it comes to diet and everything, our daughter is a far better eater than our son. He definitely has a sweet tooth. Um, but he's way healthier than her. And we're, we're just stumped. Like she's always sick. Uh, growing up when she was, you know, two, three years old, she had ear infections, it seemed like, monthly, so she was constantly on antibiotics, but I blame some of it on that. So we're really working to try and get, get you know, 
fermented let, stuff in her system to try and help. But So let me ask you a question. Hey, and uh, I'm going to be a yeah. little sexist here because this is a pretty clear pattern. Um, females, whether they're young girls, teenagers, women, there tends to be more of a tendency for females to eat a lot of plants and not like meat as much. Uh, is that the case here? Lauren, are you there? No, no, I'm, oh. I'm, so you're still here. Oh, I we lost the call. Oh, the caller's gone. Yeah. Okay. Uh, um, well, um, you know, it's always tough when, when you're, you know, you've, you've got two kids and one eats bad and seems to be healthier. There's so many other factors here. That's why I was going to go down the road of, um, is she really eating healthier? You know, the, 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 yeah. the boy might like sweet things, but maybe he's eating more meat. And then, you know, the sweets aren't causing as much of a problem. Oh, looks like we got Colt back. Let me grab him real quick. Uh, Colt, are you with us? Yeah, sorry. I don't know what happened there. <laughs> um, what was the last thing you heard from me? Uh, you just started to go in saying you didn't want to be sexist, and then okay. it, it dropped. So I've noticed a pattern with, with males and females, young, old, teenagers, doesn't seem to matter the age. Um, boys tend to be bigger meat eaters, and, and girls tend to be more plant eaters. That, that just seems to be fairly common mm-hmm. throughout life. Is that the case here? You know, not really. Okay. For the most part, they they both, you know, when we make dinner, we we try nowadays to just, we're making one dinner, this is what we all eat. Right. Um, so she does pretty good. Um, yeah, I don't know what it is. She just, she just constantly, you know, she goes around other kids for on the weekend and boom, she has a fever for a day and a half. And it's like, what the heck, you know? And then that's not a bad it, thing. It's, it's just weird. That that's not necessarily uh-huh. a bad thing. That's how we train our immune system. I mean, our immune system okay. needs training, and and that's exactly how you train it. There's a ton of evidence that children who get more childhood illnesses actually end up being healthier later in life. And I think I'm a good example of that. Okay, I was that way when I was a kid. I was always sick. When I was a kid, constantly, uh-huh. I got the flu every year. I got a, the cold every year. I had some serious stuff. I had scarlet fever. It almost killed me. Um, I got the measles, the mumps, the chicken pox, all that stuff that, you know, they vaccinate for now. But I was sick as a kid. Yeah, and uh, now as an adult, it's the exact opposite. I never get sick anymore. Okay, so maybe we shouldn't we shouldn't worry so much. Every I wouldn't. I wouldn't. If, if you know that you're doing pretty good job of controlling her diet and she's eating with you and, and it's mostly healthy. I would not worry about, you know, getting the cold or the flu. It's not a big deal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and I've noticed she's, she's got some of the stuff I, I dealt with my whole life with, with eating gluten and stuff. She gets real wheezy and coffee. So we've definitely cut that out. Um, and she's, she's improving on that. I just, you know, it's one of those things with our son coming to this age. It's like, all right, what, you know, which way do we want to go? And I always wonder too, you know, I, I'm sure I got whatever vaccines were required when I was a kid, but I also wonder how many more are there now compared to when I was a kid, you know, 25 I, years ago. I saw something oh, the other day that there were, there was over 50 
on the childhood schedule. Really? I can't believe that that's true. I haven't gone to check it out yet, but you should. That's what I mean. You should go to your doctor and say, give me the works. I want to know every vaccine that is either required or is going to be recommended so I can see them now. Right. And it, what would be nice is if I could somehow find the information on the ones that I, w- I received um, well, it's out there. and just compare it. There's a, there are charts out there that show you in what year, I think it was 1986, they added a ton of new vaccines. And that's, um, that's, all, that's all public information. It's all out there. Candace Owens definitely shows it on Parlor, and I've screenshot it, but that was a long time ago. Um, okay. I don't have it handy, but I know the information is there. But if you also, you know, if you just want some general information on children and health and this and that, but I, there are two really great books that I can recommend. One is the nourishing traditions book of baby and child care. It's by Sally Fallon. And that is a wealth of information. Um, and then there's one called how to raise, a healthy child in spite of your doctor. They talk a little bit about vaccines as well in one of the sections, but they talk about everything from, you know, asthma and allergies, you know, to accidental, you know, injuries to the common colds and the flu and earaches and what's going on. But those are really good tools to help you understand because, you know, it's, I, I look at some kids and I'm like, I, there's no way, like I have some cousins that have kids and I'm like, there's no way your kids can still be sick. We just saw them and they're like, Oh no, they got sick again. And they're always, always sick. So there Mm -hmm. is a level of, you know, getting sick is normal. I completely agree with Kevin. Like you want to build your immune system and that's the best way. But then there are some kids that are chronically ill and the only answer is to put them on antibiotics. And I just think that there's something wrong if the doctor is always recommending an antibiotic. Right. Okay. Yeah. And I, I just, I don't know what to blame it on, but I look around and the kids are so, they're, they're worse off than when I was a kid. There's so many more issues in the, in the, in, you know, childhood these days. And I just want to, try and avoid that for my kids. And I don't, I can't say it's all vaccines. I know a lot of it is diet. So we, we really work hard on that. Um, I just, you know, wanted to, before we go start pumping injections in them, I want to do a lot of research and, and know exactly what we're getting ourselves into. Excellent. Yeah. Well, and and that, that really is the, the answer everybody needs to hear. It's a complicated issue. It's a touchy issue. Don't let anybody else make these decisions for you. Go do the work and and make your own decisions on this. Yep, perfect. Well, I really appreciate it. This gives us some uh, some good information to we'll listen back and and write stuff down, and and then we can we can do uh, do our research and go from there. Excellent. All right. Good if, luck. if you have any other questions, I, I appreciate it. You're welcome. Call us back. Let's go to New Hampshire. Casey, welcome to the program. Good day. Um, a little back history. I've been doing, well, I've been eating healthy, I guess for a term. Um, following your plan mostly, I started with keto, kind of went into more of a paleo. Um, was on uh, DPIs for 20 plus years. Uh, got myself off that. It's been four years now. 
Um, we don't need any grains or anything like that at all. Excellent. Um, but lately, really noticed it as we were doing some flooring in my house. I bent over, pounding the floor in the place. I just kept coming up more and more every day. Um, so I decided I would do, and listening to one of your callers last week, I figured I would go ahead and do some carnivore. Um, and basically my questions are, I've also been taking hydrozyme lately because of this coming on more. Uh, I've been taking two pills with every meal. And um, I also take uh, MGzyme once a day. I also take the uh, bulletproof zinc and copper. And I take uh, light balance. Okay. I'm um, also drinking the mushroom coffee as a keto coffee. Excellent. Um, I know that's not real. I know that's not really carnivore, but you know, a little a little close. But um, uh, basically, I was wondering, can I add the own frontiel to that mix of stuff without having to put anything else? Or yes. Yeah, Atrantil can be used as a standalone. Uh, we have it in kits, and it works well okay. in some of our kits, but it works really well as a standalone. I believe one of your kits has the hydrozyme with it anyway. Uh, it does, yeah. Okay. Um, the other thing just wanted to throw out there for the listeners, um, as I say, I take light balance. I take a cap full twice a day. I've found that to be the best way to break it up but even after that sitting watching tv sometimes i might get a code that cramped up or did something like that and i'm i live in a rural area i have a, a drilled well and i went and we always had brita filter um in the fridge pictures in the fridge i went back to drinking it right straight out of the tap and i stopped getting those cramps good good yeah if you have well yeah, if you have well water and you're in an area where you're not worried about any kind of contamination, uh, I wouldn't filter it either. No, yeah, none, none whatsoever. No, no chance of contamination. Excellent, excellent. Uh, then so I, I could any see. Any other that suggestions? As, any other suggestions as far as going down the carnivore path or no i i think you've got a pretty good handle on it and um you'll get results we always do you'll see improvements i was gonna do it for probably 90 uh, or 60 days I, oh, my yeah, plan you'll, was. See, you'll see um, lots of improvements in 60 days and hopefully i don't go back to any of the other <laughs> I mean, I cut out all the fermented stuff because I heard you say that that can it can activate to the, right to the heartburn issues and stuff. Yep. No, I, I think right. I think cool. you've got a good plan. Perfect. I'll uh, check back in and let you know how we're doing. Excellent. All right. Thanks for the call. All right, we are uh, we're getting ready to grab the last call that's on the board right now. Um, I'm still running the whole show on the phone, but it seems to be working. So um, we'll keep going. If you want to jump in, um, feel free. 855-950-3835. We're going to go to Iowa. Carl, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. Uh, yeah, um, 
I'd like to ask, uh, is there anything that can help with uh, food cravings? Because, uh, you know, the wife is having troubles uh, keeping to the diet and she winds up getting a sweet tooth or, you know, wanting potatoes that has a high carb count. So I've got an opinion on this and, and Lauren, you can probably jump in here as well. If there were one area around food and health that I haven't done a lot of research in, and I probably won't. It's this idea of emotional eating and food addictions. And and part of the reason I'm just not going to go down that path and do a lot of research is because I don't, I can't identify with it very well. I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't really understand what, I, I know what a craving is. Um, I don't really understand the the deeper emotional issues around eating. I, I get it if I'm having a really bad day. I, there are times I reach for food, you know, comfort food, but but not in a way that it becomes a problem in my life. You know, it's pretty rare, but I, I know that that there's that tendency. But I, I just I, I can't seem to get my head around this topic. I've tried to read a couple books about it. I know practitioners who specialize in emotional eating and eating disorders. And I, I just can't seem to get my head around this. To me, it, it's just a decision. It, it's not emotional. Um, I, I realize when my body's trying to say, hey, you know, go eat mashed potatoes because it'll make you feel better. But I've never had a problem once I identify that saying, well, no, it's just not a good idea to go eat mashed potatoes right now. Or sometimes I say, oh, hell yes, I'm just going to eat the mashed potatoes and no big deal. So I, I, this is not a topic I'm, I'm very good at. The only advice I would give around this topic from my research is that willpower is like a muscle. And the more we have to use willpower and we can look at this daily, you know, if if we use our muscles too much in one day, they will wear out and get tired, right? I mean, we can't keep doing push-ups all day, right? You just can't. Right. And it's it's not a willpower thing. At some point, I could say, well, no, I really, really want to do one more push-up. But if my muscle won't do it, there's nothing I can do. I can't willpower my way through that. Willpower itself is just like a muscle. If you use it too much pretty soon, it, it's just gone for that day, and you'll get some back when you sleep. So that's why we kind of talk about this daily. So there are strategies to, to minimize the decisions we have to make in a day. And then we can use our willpower and our decision-making for the important stuff. One of the examples is um, Steve Jobs dressed the same way every day. He didn't want to have to decide in the morning what to wear because that takes away from your available willpower. He ate the same breakfast every morning. So he didn't have to think about what to eat and make a decision. He standardized all kinds of things in his life so he wouldn't have to make those decisions. And then he could leave his decision-making power for the important stuff. So when we, when we need to approach something like this, look at the rest of your life and simplify it as much as you possibly can. So that when it comes time to look at that bagel and go, God, I know I shouldn't eat that, you've got more willpower. 
And then the the good news is you don't have to do this the rest of your life. The cravings will go away. The bad cravings, the sugar cravings, yeah. the carb cravings, they will all go away. And it doesn't really take that long. It's months, not years. I was going to ask what cravings is she having? Is he craving food? Is he craving pot like carbs? Like what is he craving? Uh, mostly carbs, a little bit uh, sometimes for a sweet tooth like chocolate. But uh, you know, we've been doing a lot more of the the darker chocolate rather than milk. And how long have you guys? How long has she changed her diet? Uh, we've been working on her diet for say going on two years now, but she's you know, fluctuated in her weight back and forth and she's just been having a hard time with it. And her doctor, you know, was giving her her uh, ultimatum of get a, uh, you know, a sleeve, a gastric sleeve mm-hmm. or uh, uh, some shots so that are you know, $1,500 a month. So we've got somebody here who is very insulin resistant. I mean, if we're to the point where a doctor's recommending a sleeve or these crazy shots, she's very insulin resistant. This is going to take a little longer and she's got to be more consistent with it. My guess is she has fluctuated back and forth a lot on this stuff and you just can't. Now, the good news is there will be, there will come a time if you do all the right stuff, there will come a time where you can be much more metabolically flexible. I could consume a hundred grams of carbs today and it would not bother me. I wouldn't worry about weight gain or, you know, insulin resistance or I, I, I've gotten myself metabolically healthy enough. I now have that flexibility. She's not there. And and when you're not there, you've got to be really, really strict until you get there. And, you know, she, she's, uh, I've told her that. And, uh, you know, she's like, what am I supposed to eat? Um a lot of things. There's a lot of great things to eat. There, there really is. And part of the problem is we've all been brainwashed and, and we've all spent most of our life going to grocery stores that has 137,000 products in it. I, I, that's just not realistic. That's not how human beings were ever supposed to eat. And most of those products are all the same. All the processed food is all the same anyway. Um, it, it, there's lots she can eat, but it should all be real unprocessed food. Yeah, exactly. Right. Thank you, real Dad. food. <laughs> all right. So the the other thing, it, you maybe get her more involved. Maybe have her do a NutriQ and a, a discovery call with Lauren, and and we can dig deeper into some specific things for her and help her. Let's, um, phone lines are open if you want to jump in. Um, we'll stay here till the calls run out. 855-950-3835. We're off to New Jersey. Danny, welcome to the program. Good morning, Kevin. Good morning, Lauren. What's on your mind today? Uh, well, I'm going to try to keep it simple. I got to, you know, I got to get out of control on Monday, but, um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I, I'm very passionate on on obtaining knowledge, and you know, I I get overwhelmed sometimes. But I I want thirty years ago or so, I had a garden that you know I I did a lot of simplistic things back then, 
And what, what I'm getting at is as the kids started to come and everything and work increased, I didn't have time to take care of the yard. But at that time, I used to cut the grass, a very small lot. They got a 50 by 100 lot with a two-family house on it. And it, there was no, I, I never used any pesticides or fertilizer or anything like that. But in the time that, you know, I went to work, I brought in a landscaper and they used whatever they normally use. So in trying to become as prepared as possible, what would you recommend, you know, with that soil, it, it, that soil is not really healthy at this point. Would it be or? No, it, it takes a long, long time. I mean, I, I really, if we're talking about creating the kind of soils we had in the plains, we're probably talking years and decades. Um, but the good news okay. is you can start improving it immediately and you'll see the difference. I, I don't know what's possible. Well, how, how deep can we build this really good soil? I, I've done quite a bit in, you know, three years where I am. The, the, the thing you want to do here, um, a lot of compost. Um, if you can produce your own compost, that is the best way because it's virtually free. Just requires some labor and what's that? I always did that. Back. I, I've always done that at that time. You know, when I had my garden and I was getting into the, uh, not fermenting, but, uh, the, the other sector where we would, uh, I, I, forgot the term you know the ball jar um i was getting into doing that but what, what my question is is yeah mm-hmm. okay it, it, uh, yeah canning that, that's right but is there a way of purchasing already pretty much organic soil yes but it you know it, to kind of here's yeah here's my experience with that so I, I have a little local garden center that i absolutely love a young couple that run it they they bring in an amazing garden soil every year. It's got mushroom compost and chicken manure and cow manure and composted forest products and some cocoa core for water. I mean, it's exactly what you would want. This is amazing soil. And you can bring in truckloads of it. And the first year you plant stuff in it, things hardly grow. Really? It's it's incredible. It's got everything it should have or or what we think. It it's I'm starting to use the word structure. It doesn't have the okay. it's structure. So we we created this in a big pile somewhere. We dug it up and mixed all this stuff together. It has to be part of the earth and and it has to rebuild its structure. That's why we don't till. In, in real farming, regenerative farming, we don't till. Every time you till, you destroy that structure. And and then the, the earth has to try to rebuild it. And then before it can rebuild it, we till it again the next year. And then we wonder why we have to keep putting on all these chemical fertilizers and pesticides and insecticides. So we, we have to give, we have to put all the right stuff into the soil, all those things I just talked about, but then we have to give it okay. time and allow it to build its structure, allow the fungi, 
all the um, mycelium, the mushroom networks, all that has to take time to build out. All the bacteria has to come back and, and build up into that soil. And, and it, I can tell you every year my soil gets better. Okay. So there's a couple things we do. We compost is big. Um, never, never leave the soil bare. So if you're not going to grow a crop in the soil, like a garden crop, then put a cover crop in there. Even if it's only going to be 30 days, I throw a cover crop seed down. And in 30 days, it will just be starting to sprout. And, and then I'll, I'll work it right back into the soil. We call it green manure. So you go to the seed companies. Yeah, so I'll even give you a resource. I really like Johnny's Seeds. And they okay. make a big bulk bag of cover crops. Like the cover crop blend that I buy is specifically designed for the Pacific Northwest. And I buy a spring cover crop in bulk and I buy a fall cover crop in bulk. It's like a big five pound bag of seed. And then any, like right now, I went out really early in the spring, like in March, and I threw this seed all over any bare ground. I planted some in the fall. Now, when I need to plant in one of those areas, this cover crop is growing. It kind of looks like grass. You can mow it, you can weed whack it, and that's what I do. As it gets tall, I weed whack it. That plant you covered up straw. Straw is awesome. I use a ton of straw and hay because those all compost really well and improve the soil. So if you don't have a cover crop in, then you should cover the soil heavy with straw. And then work those things back into the soil, the green manure, the straw, um, bark mulch is is good. You can work that into the soil. that's what is going to develop your soil over time. You keep putting those organic materials back into that soil, the compost, um, the cover crop plants, the green manure, and then you disturb that soil as little as possible. When I go to plant something, I only cultivate about the top four inches of soil. That's it. Wow. Okay, so you wouldn't recommend then tilling the soil no. now before I, I okay. okay. If the if the if the ground's in really bad shape, it's got a lot of weeds, a lot of other stuff. You haven't been growing things in it. I would till it one time, just to get started. Well, just grass. I, I have grass. If you have grass, I wouldn't till it then. If I had. It, when I built my garden over the lawn, I took out all of the grass. Now, I did it with a, a pick by hand. It's a lot of work. I did it because it was during the COVID lockdown and there was nothing else to do. And it was good exercise. Uh, if yeah. I were going to do that again, I would just go rent a sod cutter. I would just cut the layer of sod out and then start with the soil under it. The initial garden I had, you know, 30 years ago, I used a rototiller and it was the size of a, you know, of a 20 foot trailer. You know, it was about 20 foot by about nine and a half. And yeah. you know, I had you know, stuff, corn. I had a little bit of corn, all the peppers and tomatoes and zucchini yeah. and, you know, all the, all the 
it was great. I mean, it was great. But um, I, I, I appreciate that because now it gives me a little bit of reference on, you know, a little Re- less work than what I thought in my mind. If you want a really, really good book, in fact, that's where I learned almost all of this, either from, you know, Joel Salatin, but the, but the best book I found on this um, is Gabe Brown's book, Dirt to Soil. Okay. Okay. I, I have one other question, if I might, on health. Sure. I, I, have, I have a brother that moved to Tennessee about 18 years ago, and he just happened to call me about two hours ago. We don't, we don't talk often. He was an avid listener years back, and he started the, um, you know, uh, keto, and he was eating healthy and everything, and he understood, and, you know, he had a pretty large farm down in uh, Tennessee, but he called me with a situation with his granddaughter who is about 12 years old. I think she's probably about in between 10 and 12. And she was just diagnosed with scoliosis. Is I told him, you know, because I'm an avid list. I've been listening for years. And, you know, I, I trust everything you say. And I understand, you know, truth is truth, no matter what, that, you know, would diet make a um, difference? I know she's eating the standard American diet. Yes. The answer here, let me me try to make a statement here, and I can't say this strong enough. Anytime we're talking about health, any issue of health, I don't care if we're talking about gray hair, any issue around health. If somebody asks me, does diet matter? The answer will always be yes. Always. And I believe that. Absolutely believe that. I don't believe there are any exceptions. Every aspect of our health is is absolutely directly influenced by our diet. Okay. Is there any in particular? Well, then then it would be just pretty much keto, paleo um, to start out. With. On, honestly, I believe that the 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 true human diet is mostly carnivore. Right. Uh, and I agree totally. I'm, that's what I try to, well, I'm pretty close to being yeah. 100%. Yeah, and, and, you know, that's, that's the thing. I, it, very, very few people are ever going to be a hundred percent. I don't believe we were a hundred percent as hunter gatherers. I, I, we did eat plant food, just not a lot of it. Right. But they're, they're getting ready, ready to put her in a back brace. Oh, I'm sure. And I'm sure. I, you know, I, uh, I drink the bone broth. Um, I, I'm a very good customer. The last time I called on a Wednesday was I had the question about the warfarin and the cardio miracle. If it would um, counteract with each other, right? And to make a real long story with that, I I wound up stopping the warfarin, and I felt great. Good. I mean, good. I, before. Before I started the cardio miracle, I was having shortness of breath, which I'm experiencing right now. But that, you know, um, so I stopped taking the warfarin and I went to work. But I was nursing for years a bad hip, and the hip finally got. And I was been drinking the bone broth daily with the collagen, the bulletproof coffee, and everything. And I was praying that it would just regenerate itself. Right. You know, but I wound up going into the pelvis. So I've been out of the truck since the 25th of March 
And what wound up, I suffered, you know, I was on the warfarin because I had a pulmonary embolism back in 17. And I was the one I told you I would ask my doctor questions why he wanted my INR to be between two and four. Couldn't give me an answer. And every time I tried to bring a information from this side of the street, you know, he would say, well, there's no peer reviews and all that. Right. And I didn't know enough to really push back on him. Uh, no, you know? I get it. I make know. Story, he, he's no longer in my life, but I wound up clotting in my leg two weeks ago. And my work, my wife works for a uh, community hospital here. At an inner city hospital, which is great. That's where, you know, they, they actually saved my life with the pulmonary embolism. It was a 20 centimeter within my lung. And I, when I had the attack, I was in Brockton, uh, Massachusetts, and I drove all the way home with it. But anyway, uh, what I'm getting at right now, they have me on Eloquist. And but prior to that, with me taking the Cardio Miracle, I had never taken the vitamin K2 because it would interfere. That I did know. It would interfere with the uh, warfarin. So I had to watch my vitamin K. I started taking the vitamin K2 with so, the vitamin hold, D. Hold and, I'm not sure where we're going with this. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe that your body has a deficiency of eloquence? No, but I need to go. I need to get this hip replaced. And that is where I have to follow their direction right now. I'm fighting with workman's comp. I've been paying workman's comp for years. I pay $14,000 a year and they, they're trying right. to not pay, you know, why don't, why don't so you do I'm, a consultation I'm in a, Dr. Wolfson. I it's, it's a financial thing right okay. now. And that, because that's where I've been telling my wife for two years that that's where I want. I want, I know I need to be with him. That's what I told my brother. I told my brother to call him and ask for his wife. His wife's name is Heather. And, you know, I'm sure that she would be able to help him in a way, both of them with the scoliosis, correct? Yes. And scoliosis isn't anything special. It, it Diet and lifestyle is going to fix it. Uh, and I told him to listen to you. He stopped. He stopped listening because when he walks, I mean, squeaking is an understatement. <laughs> he, he, he pitches every penny, you know. And yeah. I told him the app is free, you know. But when you were on satellite, he, he got a, you know. And I told him you're not on the satellite no more. But anyway, I, I Kevin, I, I don't want to really fill the bus like I, I have a, uh, you know, a habit of doing. But I really appreciate you and Lauren and, and what you provide. You're welcome. And, um, you know, but, but you know what I did want to ask? I know there's not much. I, I feel that my immune system is strong. But I know when they bring me out of the operation, it's going to be a one-day thing, and they want to put me in Kessler's, you know, because they know I'm kind of stubborn and everything for their um, rehabilitation. Is there anything that I could do prior to really that you would know? I know this is medical versus. No, it's not. No, it's not medical. It's not at all. You would, what you would do to strengthen yourself before going in for a procedure is all the same stuff we talk about anyway. Eat right, 
Get plenty of sunshine, walk around barefoot, get good sleep, lower your stress levels, eat lots of fermented foods. There, There is nothing different than the stuff we okay. talk about all day. Just do more of it. Just be more strict. Okay. And coming out with, with the um, with the painkillers and all that, it, you know. Use them, use them minimal. I, I, I will say that when I went through my hand surgery, I did use the painkillers for two days. That was it. And and on the third day, I, I wanted one. It certainly would have felt better to take one, but I didn't. And on the third day, it was pretty bearable, and I could start to get back to sleep, and I could work a little bit. And um, so I, I did take the opioid painkillers for two days. Um, I, I would just okay. be careful with them. Use them as little as possible. Yeah, I'm. I you know, but, 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 you know, I called on Monday and I talked about I had issues with alcohol and drugs years ago. So be I've very been clean careful. for all. Right. Yeah, I, I, I mean that's not even a thought process anymore. You know, for sixteen Good. years I'm clean. Good. But another question about the uh, calcium that it, I I um I'm under the understanding that the vitamin K two it extracts the calcium from the blood. And puts it back in the bone where it belongs. Is, is, K two is, is a part of that. It, there's a whole cascade of minerals that are responsible for that. Yes, when we have good mineral balance, we will have the proper amount of calcium in our bones, and we won't have calcium where we don't want it in our heart and in our arteries. And so it, it's, but it's not just K two. It's a whole cascade of minerals. With the vitamin D, and I take the right balance. That, the, right, uh, all of that plays a role. Now, I I know you uh, you just brought in the new magnesium uh, supplement. That is mostly and, for uh, relaxation and sleep. Okay, I I didn't have a clear understanding. That that, that okay. is that lots of different forms of magnesium. And Danny, I'm going to cut you loose. Calls are starting to pile up on us. Um, that form of magnesium is specifically for relaxation, stress reduction, and sleep. And it works really well for that. Um, and that's why we brought in a different company because I didn't, biotics didn't have a blend that, that was as good as this one. Um, this was the best I found and that's why we brought it in. Let's go to New Jersey. Todd, welcome to the program. Hey, thank you, Mr. Kevin. Thank you for taking my call. What can we help you with today? Okay. I have a message and two questions. I'm going to go with the message first. The message is from my mom. She wants to thank you and give you a hug because that cardio miracle, it is a miracle. Oh, good. Yeah, I started giving her cardio miracle for about uh, three months now. But on the first month, she went to the, her neighbor, borrowed a flower washer. It's 79. <laughs> borrowed a flower washer, wiped the whole freaking house on the outside. I love that. Sit down in Costa Rica. So she's really happy about that. So, everything. I so, told her with and all that. So the next time you talk to her, I want you to deliver a message from me. You ready? Right. I want you to tell her that Kevin said, you go, girl. 
I love that. Hey, um, I have a question about uh, the, the, the infrared light. Okay. I bought the thermal light infrared, infrared light, and uh, I just I just bought one bulb, and uh, I'm home every night. Now, and every the, day just, when I do my... Uh, just so I'm clear, this is the sauna space single bulb, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. And uh, so my, my question is, I have a corner in my house where I do my deck three, my meditation, and uh, all my exercises. And uh, would, uh, one bulb would be enough if I put it in uh, one of those lamps that uh, you use to reflect that straight out? So, you know what I mean? Yeah, so remember when we use this sauna space light, there are different benefits. We are getting the benefit of the infrared light that we can't see, and that's affecting our cells. We we get a benefit from the red light that we can see. That affects our cells. The other potential benefit is using the heat from these lights to sweat. So in this case, if it's in an open corner and it's only one bulb, you're not going to get much of that sweating effect. Now, if you have the ball pretty close to you and it's shining right on your head, your head's going to sweat a little bit. So you're getting the light therapy benefits. You're not really getting the detox benefits that we have to be able. That's where we, we have to raise our body temperature three degrees and lose a pound of water in that session to get the benefit. So what you are getting, you're getting all the light therapy benefits. From this setup, you don't get the detox benefits. That's how I use my single light. I don't get any detox benefits from it. I just use it to mimic the sun and to mimic the firelight. Now what you do is you get a small room, a closet, a tent, you put in three or four of those bulbs. Now you get the light therapy and you're going to get that room hot enough that you will be able to get those detox benefits. All right. All right. All right. I got you. And uh, I have one more question. I know you're very familiar with uh, Dr. Wolfson uh, uh, products. I, uh, I sent him an email, but uh, that was about a week ago. And I haven't gotten any response. I was using, uh, I've been using your uh, electrolyte forever since, uh, since I, you know, I started listening to you about three years ago. But I wanted to give uh, him uh, a try with his electrolyte. So let me ask you something. Let, hold, hold on. Hold on. Let me ask you something. If you're going to switch electrolytes, what problem are you trying to solve? Nothing. No, no, I just wanted to try. I think it's yours. Why? But I stop, just stop, stop, stop. With all the with all the issues around health and how complicated it can be, and light therapy, and canning, and fermenting, and all all this stuff. When you when you have a product that works and there is no problem to solve, why would you do this? Yeah, you're right. Now, 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 let me let me say something else. You're using my product and you're wondering about if you should try that other product. And I'm saying 
know if you don't have a problem to solve what what how are you even going to measure whether the other product works or not you already have a product that works had you called me and said let, let me make this clear had you called me and said i'm using dr wolfson's electrolyte product and I'm thinking about trying yours, I would have said the exact same thing. What problem are you trying to solve? And if you would have said nothing, I would have said, then keep using his. And there's maybe he has a little more magnesium in his. You would probably get over the diarrhea after a week or so. His would work just fine, too. There's multiple um, electrolyte products on the market that are all good. There's multiple nut butters on the market that are all good. There's multiple grass-fed, grass-finished meats on the market that are all good. I, it, it, nobody has the best. You know what I mean? There, there are good products out there, and there are plenty of them. Pick from them and then move on. And don't waste too much time when you've already solved a problem. Thank you, Mr. Kevin. I appreciate you, brother. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Montana. Pat, welcome to the program. Pat, are you there? Lauren, are you hearing me? Yeah, I'm hearing you. All right. So, Pat, if you can hear me, I'm going to put you back in the queue. Um, Angie, if you could check that line for me. Let's go to Wisconsin. Matt, welcome to the program. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, The reason why I'm calling is uh, I've been debating about trying your vitamin A, D, and K. Uh, The issue that I have is I'm on Zeralto, which is a blood thinner. And we are not supposed to uh, eat the greens with the, you know, with vitamin right. K in there and everything. Right. I'm just wondering if, if it is a possibility to still take that uh, vitamin. Or so there's a couple ways. Hold on. If there are a couple ways I would approach this, but the way I really like to approach this is. I would assume you're going to take the A, D, E, and K because you think you may have a deficiency of those, and, and you might. We have to ask, do you have a deficiency of Zeralto? Uh, no. So there's the issue. It's not no. whether or not you should take the A, D, E, and K. You probably should, or some version of that. D and K for sure. Maybe uh-huh. you don't need the A, D, E, and K. We we could talk about that. That that's not the real issue here. The issue is you should not be taking the Zarelto. Right. Uh, yeah, I had uh, seventeen blood clots back in two thousand eleven. But but stop. But 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 stop. What? Hold. I, I don't want you to go down that road. It, you should not be. Can we agree that you have no deficiency of Zarelto and this is not solving a problem? It's covering up symptoms. Can we agree to that? Yeah. Hey, do you do you remember the phrase we were told as kids all the time? Two wrongs don't make a right. Absolutely. You have a problem. You have something wrong. The Zeralto should not be in your body. You should not be consuming it. There's a root 
problem there that we have to solve. Taking the Xarelto doesn't solve it. Adding A, D, E, and K on top of the Xarelto isn't going to solve it. That's just two wrongs. That we still need to go figure out why a doctor believes you need Xarelto. Why did you have 17 blood clots? That's the problem we have to solve. I know you said I had some type of autoimmune disease in there with lupus. Got it. So now we know you have a gut issue. So so now I can I can confidently predict that you're eating mostly the standard American diet. Yes, I've been then, working then, on fully well, coming well, off. Well, hold on. Then don't ask me about supplements. Don't take them. Don't waste your money. Okay. Nothing in our store will help you theory. if you eat the standard American diet. Nothing. I understood. The Xarelto isn't helping you. The Xarelto is making you sicker. It's stopping you from getting blood clots, but it's making you sicker. My number one recommendation for you would be to figure out a way to do a consultation with Dr. Wolfson. Don't even do it with us. I, I, I'd want him to get you off of that Xarelto first. Okay. But other than that, I yeah, have nothing. Been, there, there's I'm nothing I can... Well, the only way you're going to get off of it is to get off of the standard American diet permanently. Yeah, I've been I've been wanting to get off of it for years, but I've hey, 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 been Matt, under the Matt, full understanding Matt, that I've been Matt, on the life. Matt, Matt, stop lying to yourself. Oh. If you wanted to get off of it, you would. We do it all the time. Well, see, I was listening to the doctor because from what they said is I was going to be on it for the rest of my life. So you have a big decision to make right now. This could be the most important decision you're ever going to make in your life. You can keep doing what the doctors say, or you can try something different. Yeah, I'm willing to try something different. Then I, you, your next phone call should be to Dr. Wilson. Yeah. All right, I will reach out to him, man. All right, and stay in touch. Let us know how it's going. We'd still love to work with you, but when when we have cardio issues and we have people on cardiovascular drugs, um, even though I'm pretty confident I, I have all the knowledge to do it, I love the fact that Dr. Wilson's there. We love working with him. Check him out. Confident. You'll have the absolute best care. And if there are cardio issues, he can deal with those. Let's uh, let's try Pat in Montana again. Pat, you there this time? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me, Kevin? I can. What's on your mind today? Listen, I appreciate everything you've taught us here. I've been on a pretty strict diet for the last two years. My biggest problem is I think I'm losing too much weight, Kevin, where I I, I'm on the resistance training, but I'm building muscle, but it seems like I'm just, I keep spreading weight. Hey, hey, Pat, come on. Are you, are you spoofing me here? You know, I, I've been following the, the, the diet industry for a couple decades and nobody, nobody ever in the diet industry complains they're losing too much weight. 
know, right, Kevin? I feel good. Like, I, I do feel good. I mean, I, I think the biggest thing I do right now is the bone broth and the fasting. I think that's where I'm actually losing even more. I, I don't know. Like, I think my BMI is 23.4. Nice. Nice. Um, I, I don't think I would waste a whole lot of time worrying about it. Keep working out because I know that'll make you feel better and stronger. And I, I know what you're saying. When I get really strict on, on carnivore or keto, I drop down into the 140s. And, and I don't like it. I feel like I'm just too lean. Uh, I feel good. I have tons of energy. I feel great. I, I, I almost think it's a psychological thing. Um, so then all I do, I just add some carbs back in, some more white rice. Um, I will add sweet potatoes, even though I know there's an oxalate issue there because I manage my oxalates and I love sweet potatoes. So um, I will throw in some sweet potatoes, some rice, Um a little more fruit, a little more honey. And usually that's all it takes for me to put back that, say, 10 pounds or so. You know, I, I feel good right around 155. If I get really strict on keto or carnivore, I'll get down into the low 140s. And then, like I say, I'll, I'll just add some of those those good carbs back in, a little white rice, little honey, some more fruit. Uh, and the next day I know I'm right back up around 155. Yeah, you know, just cycling in and out of ketosis is really helpful. Yeah, you don't have to stay in ketosis for for the long run. It's actually it's actually a good thing to cycle in and out of it every so often if you've been doing it for a while. Interesting. Okay, like I know I mean the fasting. I mean, I, it does freak me out a little bit because I do have a pretty high stress job. It does take a lot out of me, and sometimes I think, well, I better just eat just because so I need energy. But really, I don't <laughs> even need to eat. But it, it freaks me out. I, I love that, though. That is such a healthy way to live. That's a good problem to have. Yeah. <laughs> it is a good problem. I, I know I didn't want to phone and complain about it, but I think you're right. It is not in their mindset. It is. It, it, I, I still go through it. After all these years, I still, I, and I, tell, I say it all the time. If I'm getting ready for an event or a big project or, or whatever, I will go really, really strict, and the weight will start falling off. I can lose a pound a day. I can lose that 10 pounds in about two weeks easy. There have been times when I've lost that entire 10 pounds in two days. If I go out, if I go really strict carnivore and then go out in the garden for a weekend, eight or 10 hours, both days, I'll lose all 10 pounds in a couple of days. Wow. If I stare up into the sky a little bit too long, I will get a little bit lightheaded, but I can basically walk around the truck and do a few things and it's gone. I feel better again. So I, I believe that I believe in our world today, virtually everybody has some level of what we'll refer to as adrenal fatigue. Um, I, I believe everybody in our world today has that stress-related adrenal fatigue. And I, I'm still working on the stress protocol. I'm still learning more. We're still trying to figure out how and when we're going to release this monster to the world. Um, but it's needed. I, I, I am hearing this more and more that, Lauren, are you seeing a lot of this in discovery calls and one-on-ones, just people that are really 
whatever term we want to use, adrenal fatigue isn't totally correct. Burnout is, you know, basically what we're talking about here is just kind of a, 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 yeah. a weakened um, nervous system. Mm-hmm. Yep. You say it all the time. I know I do. I think what saves me is the cold showers. I mean, it's just endless amounts of energy. I just yes. like even last night, I didn't get out of the city till four in the afternoon. And I drove till midnight. I mean, like, you know, and up at five, it's just crazy. I, I had a really good night of sleep last night. So I'm, I'm biohacking a bunch of other stuff. So my sleep has kind of gone to the wayside again, but uh, I focused on it for a couple of days, got a really good night of sleep the other night. Yesterday, for some reason, around five o'clock in the afternoon, I just could not keep my eyes open. I was trying to read and I thought, why fight it? Just just take the nap. Um, the nap turned into about two and a half hours of crazy deep, hard sleep. Um, but then the downside to that is one o'clock in the morning, I was wide awake. I was, yeah. 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 No, I appreciate you guys. A lot. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks for the call and uh, congratulations. Lauren, how many, you know, I, I see these diet commercials all the time on the TV, Nutrisystem, Weight Watchers, on and on and on. Um, they're eating all this garbage food. They always talk about, oh, we have so much protein and it's so satisfying and it'll control your appetite for three hours. And I'm like, three hours? <laughs> that's not appetite control. Good the hell. Um, and yet, the, you know, the single biggest problem in every one of these plans is the only way you will lose weight on any of these is if you're hungry all the time. That's the only way they work. Yeah. And if you do lose weight, everyone gains it back. And sometimes they gain more. Yes. And, and you gain it back because you can't sustain hunger. You can't. You don't get used to it. You won't be able to sustain it. That's why this works. People aren't hungry. It, that's the single biggest reason why this is so much more sustainable than any other way of losing weight is because you just don't have to deal with that crazy hunger all the time. Mm-hmm. That's true. All right, let's go to Illinois. Derek, welcome to the program. Hey, I got a question on uh, some ferritin levels. I got some high ferritin. Um, 488 is where my numbers are. I'm not sure if there's anything I could do to lower that. Or Well, it's interesting. Um, Angie must have misunderstood you because it came across as keratin levels. And I was about to say, you are the first person in nine years that has asked me about keratin, um, but it's ferritin. Okay, we're, we're talking about iron levels. So um, let me ask you this. What was your doctor's advice? Uh, they've been just, they just keep taking more blood and testing different things and getting sick of going to the doctor for it. So have they not recommended donating blood? Uh, not yet. Oh. <laughs> that's, uh, that, that, that's the easiest solution yeah. to this. Go give blood regularly. Okay. 
now because that will control it in the short term. And it's a good thing. Go give blood. Every everybody needs more blood. And it's you know, I know it's a pain in the ass, but um, it's the quickest way to start improving this. Now, after that, tell me about your diet. Uh, Keto carnivore. Okay. Um, we would have to do some deep digging then. So what I'm going to recommend is you just start going to give blood until we kind of get this down to the levels we want to see and then slowly back off giving the blood as often and see if it goes back up or not. If it does, then we're going to have to start doing some nutritional testing. There's, there's going to be some other nutritional deficiency somewhere that's causing this. This is this can be a mystery. Sometimes we don't solve this one. Sometimes I just tell people, look, you're just going to give blood on a regular schedule until we figure something out. And sometimes we don't figure this one out. Okay. Yeah, sounds like a plan. Yeah, I, I would go with that. And like I said, once you once you've given enough blood enough times, we get this down to a manageable level in into a normal range then start backing off. Don't quit giving blood, but maybe start extending the time in between. And and sometimes this just doesn't come back. Okay. Yeah, so, we'll uh, go from there. All right. Give that a shot and let us know. Let's go to Missouri. Jeremy, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. Uh, Lauren, I, I forgot something uh, from earlier. Sure. I, I wanted to uh, recommend uh, for your uh, your pellets for the, the pellet smoker. Yeah. Oh, hey. I know we I, talked. To, I know we talked. Before you do, yeah. before you do, I'm pretty loyal on my pellets because the company that makes them is right across the street from me. Oh, uh, okay. Is that the Bear Mountain? Yeah, Bear Mountain is is like my name. Okay, wow. I can see them from my studio window. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I wonder if I wonder if they make a plum. Uh, they don't make or um. Okay, well, remember we talked like maybe a year ago about that knotty wood. They're like in California, I think, and the almond. Yes, they make almond um, pellets. Okay, well, the almond, you know, is is mild. It's a mild, but it gives great bark. So if you get if you mix that with plum, gives plum gives a lot of flavor. Oh, so I, yeah. I, I was. Uh, so I do use. Yeah, mix of, the two. I do use a lot of fruit wood. You know, plum. Um, I had um, uh, the the couple that started Monkey Brittle. You know, converted their farm. They bought a, a pear and cherry farm in the Hood River Valley, and they converted it to organic over time. And then while they were converting, they lost a whole bunch of their pear trees. They died. Um, so they had somebody come in and cut them all up and they were going to haul them out of there. And I said, just have them haul all that stuff to my house. Um, so I was using pear wood was really good. And apple is good. Cherry's good. The fruit woods I do like, but I've never tried plum. Okay. Well, I, I, uh, someone tested it. They did a whole test and it was judges and people too. So I just, uh, I, I thought it I just wanted to pass that down. That plum plum was like uh, really good for flavor, and the almond gives a good uh, bark yeah. for now. I close, would, close to a close to an offset. 
Yeah, I, I would go to another company and buy specialty pellets like that. So, I, yeah, I'll look that up and I'll go check that out. But I, I just love yeah. the fact that, that um, Bear Mountain's like right here. Yeah, I tried that. I, I ordered some one time when I had a pellet and it was, yeah, I got the oak. It was it was good. Um, um, but yeah, it's Naughty Wood Barbecue. Okay. You know, be careful how you. Yeah. If you, if you put Naughty Wood, you might get something else. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm sure I would get lots of something else. You're right. <laughs> All right. That's All, right. All I got. Thanks for the call. Um, that's the final call. We'll, uh, there was a couple more. I don't know what happened. We'll, uh, we'll hang out here just for a minute or two um, and see if another couple calls come in. I'm, I'm actually surprised we've been able to do this show on my phone as our internet source. And it I know. seems to be working. Um, and, and Here's the crazy thing. My phone only has one bar of service where I am. And oh, I'm, no way. <laughs> with one bar of service, and I'm running not only the phone call that connects us to our phone system, but all of the live streaming is happening through the phone right now, too. Wow. That's pretty impressive, I have to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So... Uh, anything, uh, anything else you want to cover before we wrap this up? Why don't you let everybody know what you're doing this afternoon? Yeah. So today at 3 p.m. Eastern time, I will be live on Healthy Tribe and we are going to talk about organ meat. Just a little bit about all the benefits, the different kinds, maybe even some discussion on how to prepare some of them. So That'll be at 3 p.m. Eastern time on Healthy Tribe. And, of course, we will post the video recording um, on Healthy Tribe as well as Facebook Live. Or not live, but Facebook. <laughs> Excellent. So join us Excellent. today for that. Yes. Very good. All right. A um, couple things that I'm working on, kind of big picture stuff. I've talked a lot, little bit before. I like to keep people updated. Um, we still are working on combining the two tribes, which is a turning out to be a much bigger job than we expected. Um, and then creating a new membership program uh, that we, we have got to start bringing some revenue in. We're giving an awful lot of stuff away these days. The shows are all free. The, um, we've got to get that membership set up. Um, and then our goal is to grow the tribe. We want to reach more people. We want to help more people. Um, so that'll be the goal. Part of that goal I'm also looking at. So our, our sites are, are, and when it comes down to one site, it's paid, it's a sub subscription. How do we get more people into that tribe? Where are we going to do our marketing to, to reach more people? Um, I am more and more impressed with Twitter every day. Elon Musk is just doing amazing things with Twitter. Um, I talked about this yesterday. Bruce was just shocked. Uh, I don't know if a lot of people realize this or not. I, I should go look this up. How many employees did Twitter have? How many employees at Twitter before Elon Musk? See if I can get an answer to that or even get close. Um Let's see. So here's a. Okay, let me see if I can find it in this article. Silvering. 
So um, let's see, 80%, if that was 20%, I'm just trying to do some math in my head because they're not giving me the number I'm looking for here. Um, well, that were 10%, would have to be 10,000. So Twitter must have had somewhere around eight to 10,000 employees. Maybe a little less than that. Um, Elon Musk fired 80% of them. 80% of the people who were working at Twitter when he took over, they're gone, fired. The, it, the big office building that held all those people in San Francisco is like a ghost town, and yet the company is running better than ever. I love that. He's really turned it around completely. It's incredible. And he's, there's still a lot of censoring problems. They're trying to figure it out. The code is so complicated. They are constantly tearing the code apart, but they're really responsive. I mean, if you turn in a ticket and say, hey, I don't think, you know, all of my followers are seeing my tweets because I'm not getting the interaction. They go in and figure out why not and fix it. They are constantly rewriting the code. They're making the code open source. Um, it, it, it's really getting cool. So Twitter is where I'll be marketing to find new people. Um, Twitter also has another feature that I'm really thinking about playing around with. And again, this is it, it's more marketing to get to reach new people. Twitter, have you, well, probably not. I don't think you do a lot of Twitter. Twitter has something called spaces. And this has been attempted. This idea has been attempted several times. I know because I tried them all. I go all the way back to a, a conference call service called TalkShoe. TalkShoe was around 20 years ago. It, it was the, my first attempt at doing a kind of a podcast. We used TalkShoe a long time ago. Um, and then there was Google Hangouts. Remember that? That didn't make it anywhere. Uh, There's been a bunch of attempts at this. And and I, I'm not really sure why it doesn't work, except that maybe the technology always seems to get in the way. You know, somebody's always struggling with the technology or it's not working the way we thought it would. Twitter Spaces doesn't seem to have any of those problems. And all we're really talking about here, all of these services were basically big conference calls. Um. Sometimes with video, but video tends to create a lot of its own issues and uses more bandwidth. Twitter Spaces is another attempt at this. It's only audio, but it just works. It is the easiest, most reliable. You just click and you're you're in the conference call. There's no codes. There's no um, sequences. There's no software you have to download in the background. It's just if if I decided to hold a Twitter space right now and you were on Twitter, it's kind of like when you go live on our site and, and you just, you either get a notification because you follow you or you just see, oh, look, Lauren's live. That, that's kind of what this is. If you were following me on Twitter and I go live in a space, you would get a notification. At work, you might just look up and go, oh, look, Kevin's doing a Twitter space and it might just be a topic. Um, so it, it's similar to what we're doing on our own sites. The difference is we would use this to attract new people, to, to reach people who don't know who we are. 
So I, I'm going to start playing oh. around with it. I have some ideas of, of shows, actually, new show ideas that maybe we don't do that show through our app. Maybe we do that show in a Twitter space. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Neat. And it, it also, and we could do it on here. It's just much easier. It, you can have multiple people talking. It can kind of be an open forum kind of thing. Um, so I, I think it's, uh, it's going to be a good tool and, and Elon just keeps making it better. Now, since we're talking about him, I was pretty excited. You know, he did a, a really long interview with Tucker Carlson and Tucker's one of my favorite uh, kind of commentators, um, journalists. So I was really excited about this. Um, I like Tucker. I, I, the more I hear about Elon Musk, the more I work with Twitter, the more impressed I am. I have to say it was two parts. Uh, it was on last night and the night before. I could barely get through it. I always forget he is not really? a good speaker. Not at all. He is horrible to try to listen to. Well, he can't be good at everything. <laughs> uh, I, I, it's, he really struggles to get his points across, and most of what he says is not very interesting. And I know there's a gazillion interesting things in his head. I wish he could figure out how to get them out, yeah. but he can't. I, I almost feel like he, he may be so intelligent that our language is a barrier, that, that he can't. Oh. He can't express what's in his head with our language. Well, that's the thing. That's I, I, I believe that. Like they can't, people who are that smart, right. <laughs> that's the only thing I can right. think right. to say, yeah. they, they do, they, they struggle in other ways. And I think socially is the typical, like they typically struggle socially. So the communication part, may just be where his downfall is, you know? They can't be good at everything. So here was one interesting thing that came out of it. There was a lot of interesting things. It's just it was hard to listen to. And it it could be so much better if he could verbalize what he's thinking. Um, But so this issue about UFOs. So UFOs have, you know, been around our whole life. Are they real? Are they, you know, my thought for a long time was, my God, if these things were really real, we would have some proof by now, you know, more than what we have. But it seems odd that there isn't somebody else out there somewhere, right? I mean, so it's always been a weird issue. And then in the last couple of years, I don't know if you've watched any of these documentaries or not. Last couple of years, the government was forced to release a lot of their footage. Have you seen any of these shows? I haven't. I I know that it has slowly been catching on the past few years, though. The, the government and the military has thousands of hours of UFO-like sightings, and they can't explain what they are. We have no proof that it is from outer space, but we can't prove that it isn't from outer space either. And it's not just one or two. There are thousands of these episodes, and we've got a lot of it on film. Naval aviators, military. So then I started thinking, oh, hell yeah, they're out there. There's no doubt they're out there after I watched these documentaries. So Tucker asked him last night. He said, you know, I got thinking if anybody should know about the – Tucker's done a couple good, really good documentaries on UFOs. If, if you want a place to start, watch his. Um, he said, I'm oh, not thinking. Really? 
if anybody should know about UFOs, it should be you. You've spent a lot of time about space. And Elon said, yeah. I don't think there's anybody on the planet that knows a much, as much about space as I do right now. And, and I believe him. And you know what he said? He said, there are no UFOs. What? None. There is zero, really? zero evidence anywhere in the universe that there's anything else out there alive. Wow. I know. I thought that was kind of crazy. Just the opposite of what, what the finally it's like, OK, finally, we got the government to admit it and release all this footage. And and there is all this footage and things we can't explain. And yet the guy who might know more about this than anybody says, no, there's no evidence at all that there's anything out there alive. Oh, I'm shocked. I, I know. I know. And you believe that there's evidence. Oh, go watch Tucker's. Go watch the documentary, Scott. If you go to Fox Nation, um, you have to subscribe. But if you go to Fox Nation, um, he has a documentary on this and you'll watch it. There's tons and tons of footage and nobody can explain how these things occurred. Thousands of hours of, of video footage, yeah. Thousands of hours over five decades. Wow. And some of these wow. videos go on for five, 10, 15 minutes with the pilots talking. Look at this. Look, and they've got it on film. Nobody can explain the physics of what they're seeing. Unreal. Yeah. Yeah, so I was thinking, oh, they are real. Look, we have all this proof. What, you know, what's going to happen? And then along comes Elon and says, oh, no, zero proof. <laughs> zero proof. I know, it's kind of crazy. Interesting. Yeah. All yeah. right. <laughs> all right. Let's, uh, let's wrap this up for the day, I guess. Um, I think I have some announcements. We have a sale on the My High product. Um, we're doing it because we're launching a new product. Have you seen the heated massage gun we have? Yes, I just saw that today. Yes, oh, my gosh. Awesome. So cool. Yeah. yeah. That's a thing now. Yeah. A bunch of companies are making these. I really like the uh, the My High version. We're bringing that one into the store. So uh, in honor of that, we're doing a um, product-wide My High sale, 20% off all the My High products. That weighted um, heating pad is awesome, and so is that back wrap. Nice. Yeah, and these are all infrared, so it's not just a heating pad. This is all infrared technology, so you're getting the benefits of not just the heat, but the, the light therapy itself. So um, check out the... Um, sale on my high products in the store. Uh, what do we got going on for the show tomorrow? Oh, also the second episode of back to the basics with keto mojo is available on the app right now. Uh, that was a good one too. That was with uh, Dorian and Jessica both. Uh, so that one's available. Um, Friday, uh, we don't normally do interviews on Friday, but I am doing an interview. So we actually moved the regular Friday show back an hour. Uh, I'm going to have the guest on for the first hour of the show. Uh, and then we'll bring in John and Joel and um, Henry or whoever can make it. I think it's Joel and Henry this week. I think John's busy. 
but in the first hour, I'm going to be doing an interview. Um, it is a group. I don't know anything about this group yet. I found them a couple weeks ago, decided I wanted to learn more, sent a note over to the team and said, hey, get these guys on the show sometime. And they made it all happen so fast. I've got to probably go do the research today. Um, I got to figure out more about this group. Um, I'm excited about it. It's they come. The group is formed from several different industries, but the group's main focus is to um, stop this attack on independent contractors. All these laws, AB five in California, the federal laws, um, trying to turn in, in, independent contractors into employees. I'm completely against it. It's a big issue. We've got to fight back. Um, I was thinking about trying to figure out a way to fight back, and then I found this group. So I'm going to interview them and do a little digging and see if maybe this is a group we might just want to piggyback with. So that'll be on Friday. So that's – oh, and while we were blabbing, we got another call in here, so we're going to take it. Um, Mark, welcome. You snuck in under the wire here. Good afternoon, Kevin and Lauren. Good afternoon. I have, um, we have a um, five-year-old grandson. He's autistic. Um, he's a little bit on the spectrum where he, um, he's functioning. He's very high energy. Um, he, um, uh, he, he talks a little bit. Um, he's very smart. Um, our problem is he won't eat. He's, he, we gave him baby food when he was up to nine months old. Um, he would get sick. We found out later that he's allergic to nuts or peanuts. He's allergic to, um, milk, um, which I know Kevin may, you shouldn't, he shouldn't have milk anyway. Um, but all we can give him is formula and it has to be soy based formula. It's really hard to get anymore. Um, old, I didn't catch that. If you said he's five. He's five years old. Um, yeah, we we tried, you know, just like adding stuff to his bottle, like Pedialyte or um, something, just to give him something more than just formula. Let, let me let me suggest one thing to try, and and this is going to be a a process of of that's going to occur over time. You're not going to fix this quickly. Um, one of the first steps I might try, since he is drinking formula, um, have you ever tried goat's milk? No. Okay, so I want you to go to a website called Mount Capra, M-T-C-A-P-R-A, Mount Capra. They are in Washington State, the owners of the farm. Um, one of them is an NTP, um, same program Lauren and I have gone through on nutrition. Just an amazing company. I love this company. I I wish we carried more of their products in our store, but sometimes just not a good fit. But I I love the company. I love their mission. Their products are amazing. They have a recipe for formula, a really, really healthy homemade formula recipe using goat's milk. And, And they produce amazing goat's milk. Um, I, I would go there, get their recipe and try this. 
it is about a hundred times better than that soy-based formula you're feeding him now. Yeah, and we noticed if we if you change the the bottle, I mean, he's so picky that if you change the flavor, you change the bottle type or the nipple type, yeah. he won't touch it. If it's not the right temperature, he won't touch it. He will hand it back to you and say, here, yeah, you know, it, give me it, something else. This is a tough one. Um, there's no doubt. Um, I might even, and I, I don't know of any, but I'm sure there's some out there and we could find them or help you find them. I might even look for a practitioner that specializes in this. And I, I, okay. I believe that there is a solution here. I believe we can make huge improvements with this child. I don't believe it's going to be easy because it, all of the improvements we're going to make are by improving the diet and feeding the child the proper food. We have to overcome the point that a lot of autistic children don't eat. It's a texture issue. Like you said, it can be temperature. They are so hypersensitive to everything that getting this process started is the most difficult thing. And if I were in your position, I I would be looking for a functional practitioner that specialized in autistic children. And I do know that, that, that if we can change his diet, we can change his life. And and that's got to be the goal. Like how do we change the diet? What? How do we introduce new foods? Um, and I will tell you the diet he should be on is carnivore. Yes, I agree. So we have to try to start to introduce meat and find ways that we can get this child to eat meat. But there, it, it may be worth mm-hmm. it to take some time and look for somebody who does this and has strategies. Yeah, because we used to, I mean, just food in general. If you were sitting there and you had a plate of food in front of you, he would gag and walk away. It, it's, he didn't want to even sit, see, him, see you watch watch you eat. He's getting a little better this about is, it. This is common. Now, look, it, this isn't all that bad, really. I mean, we could look at this and go, oh, my God, it's horrible. This is so difficult. And it can be. But it's no more difficult. In fact, it's probably easier than taking a child whose parents have done nothing for the first five years but feed them processed foods loaded with sugar. Try to get that child to eat a carnivore (laughs) diet. That's really, really difficult. So, you know, this isn't anybody's fault. You know, it's not because of the way he's been fed. This is because, you know, I'm going to say our medical system and all of our vaccinations and everything else is probably the reason why I think now the rate of autism is something like one in 36. It's horrendous. Did you you know anybody autistic when you were growing up? No. Zero. Zero. I've been talking to people that yeah, the rate just rose again, like a couple of weeks ago. It did, right? And and I believe it is only because of all the vaccinations that have been given around COVID. Yeah, my daughter has a friend that has a child that's like a couple months older than my grandson, and he's autistic too. It, it, it's insane it's like, how common this is becoming—not normal, but common. And it has to be yeah. all of the chemicals in the food supply, the vaccinations, all of this stuff, the poor food quality. Oh, yeah. it, it all contributes to it. 
Um, but like I say, it, it, it may be easier to, to convert this child to a carnivore diet than it is some children who aren't autistic. Yeah. Well, we, yeah. we'll give it a shot. I'm willing to give anything a shot. When I say we've tried even, you know, kids like candy and stuff like that. And, and we'll give him a sucker just to see if he's going to try it. And we had actually had a waitress give him a, like three different ones one yeah. time sitting at a table. And this has been a couple of years ago. And it, my, my son got him actually to taste it. And we were videotaping it because he doesn't put anything in his mouth, but he would taste it. And he got to the yellow one and we didn't catch it till after we watched the video, but he took, he stuck it on his tongue and he pulled it out. And I don't know if it was pineapple or lemon, but he just, he said kind of spicy. <laughs> and that's all he yeah. said. But he wouldn't, yeah. other than that, he wouldn't eat it. He, he put it on his tongue and then now you give him a sucker, he'd, he'll play with it. Right. Or right. candy, hard candy, he'll play with it, but he will not put it in his mouth. It, it's It's got to wow. be a bottle. And then, you know, along with the bottle, he has bowel issues. You know, he gets so plugged up oh, that the boy will lay around. Right. Uh, and, and you could say, say well, just give him Miralax, Miralax, Miralax. Well, Miralax doesn't do anything for him. And if it did, he's going to become dependent on it anyway. That's a bad thing to do. So that's not the the answer here. The the soy milk in the this formula is causing most of that. The goat's milk should help if he if he will drink it. So that would be my first advice. Go get that formula from Mount Capra. Make a batch of that. See if you can figure out a way to, to get him to drink this. I will give it a shot. I appreciate your advice. All right. And then, uh, as always, follow up with us and let us know what happens. Um, hey, Lauren, if you get a chance, um, I, I would do this. But God, I got so much going on right now and so much research I need to do. If you could maybe see if you can find a practitioner that specializes in autism. Yeah, I would love to. Yeah. I this is. I honestly thought that he was someone I just worked with this past week because I keep getting calls that people are asking me about show their children or their grandchildren and they're at a loss. I, and I had a client the other day asking, can I work with the child? And he's only five. I said, well, I can work with the mom, but there's not much I can do with it, you know, with a child. Yeah. But we, yes, I will. I will stick around. Yeah, let's see if we can find somebody. And if we find somebody good, we'll get them on the show and, and maybe work with them because this is a big issue and it's not going away. It's getting worse. Like you said, they just updated no. the numbers again. And they're, I, I think I think that updated number was the one I saw. And for some reason, one in 36. It is. Would, it's one in 36 um, eight-year-old children have autism. And the craziest thing is if you look at the Amish, it's one in 15,000. We actually have a caller on the line that wants to talk about that. I think you can also look at oh. uh, at French children, and they don't have it oh. as much. Same thing with ADHD. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, let's try to find a practitioner. Yes, I just wrote it down. We, I'll Excellent. be looking for that. Excellent. Thanks. All right, let's go to Michigan. Michael, welcome to the program. Thank you for taking my call, Kevin. I'm calling to ask you a question about brine from fermenting asparagus. Okay. What about it? I did it last year, and I put it in the fridge. And after I diluted uh, asparagus with fresh water, the brine itself turned brown. 
Why did you dilute your brine with fresh water? No, but the asparagus, so it wasn't so salty. So you you took your fermenting asparagus and you had a brine that was roughly two tablespoons to a quart. Okay. And then you diluted it. Is that what you're telling me? Not the brine, but I put the asparagus in fresh water. So it wasn't so full condition. Oh, and that new fresh water turned brown. Is that no. what you're saying? No. What? The brine itself, I did not put it back in the fridge. I left it on my countertop, and within a month, it has turned kind of brown. Well, first off, a month's a long time for, for fermentation, so there's a lot of fermentation going on in a month. Have you smelled it? I have not. Smell it. Um, any time, I have had very few ferments ever go bad. When they do, you can smell them. You will not consume them. If a if a ferment goes bad, I know people are worried, oh, oh my God, what if my ferment's bad and I eat it? Am I going to get sick? You won't eat it. I can promise you, when a ferment goes bad, it gets smelly, it gets moldy, it gets slimy. Um, you won't eat it. So I, I don't worry too much about that. Um, the fact that it turned brown doesn't mean anything to me. Um, if it's not growing mold and it's not smelly, it's probably just fine. And reuse that brine for your asparagus. You can reuse brine. I I I don't do that a lot. I will occasionally do it if I'm in a hurry. But honestly, it takes three minutes to make a new batch of brine. You can reuse brines. I just don't like to. I understand. Okay, that was my question, so thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. And I won't say I haven't done it. Occasionally, I will. Like today, I just got thinking, um, I still have brine from ferments last year. And I could go out and just pick that, you know, couple stalks of asparagus I have and throw them in the brine and not make any. But honestly, it'll take me three minutes to make another quart of fresh brine. So I, I, I'm not... A big fan. Other weird things can happen. Sometimes you get weird flavors that carry over or the brine gets weaker or so I'm you can do it. And in emergencies I have, but I'm not a fan of of doing that all that often. Let's go to Tennessee. James, welcome to the program. Well, you've already answered my question. Thank you very much. All right. Yeah, I've got a uh, friend of the I've also got a friend of the family that their child is four years old. He was perfectly fine. He got his COVID shot, and now he's severe autism. Unbelievable. Un- there are way, way, okay. way too many stories like this, and it's criminal that we're not following up on this and figuring out and stopping these shots for everybody. The entire vaccination program should be halted. Even they, she said, even the 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 school vaccines that they have to have have changed from a few years ago. They have. They, they've they, they've created multiple shots in one. They've added other um, other junk that's in there. They've uh, they've made the schedule more aggressive. Um, they have turned me into an anti-vaxer. Right. Yeah. 
They've just gone way overboard with it. Yep. And- I actually pulled up some stats from um, when we had that conversation earlier. Let me see if I still have that up on the computer. Because, yeah, yeah 19, 1962, three total doses. It was polio, smallpox, and DTP. Right. 1983, 24 total doses. 2018, 76 total doses. And that doesn't include 2023 where they started adding the COVID vaccine. When I saw that the other day, I thought that can't be true. I need to go dig deeper and try to debunk this, but I think it is true. Oh, it is because I've seen it. This is, this is just one that I pulled up. It could be off by just a few, but 76, that's, uh, that's sorry, that's just crazy. It is. That is it, mind-blowing. Yes, it is. And it's before they're the age, I think, 18, but that is so many injections, and they have to have the, adju- you know, something that, you know, is it an adjuvant or something that, like, you know, creates an immune response. So you're sticking toxins in you 76 times before, you yeah. know, including all the other tox- toxins we're, we're surrounded by. Yeah. It's just, it's horrible. It's so sad. It really is. Hey, that uh, medication that uh, Trump was taking for uh, the COVID, uh, I heard the other day that that's uh, a cure for cancer. You heard anything about that? First off, n- <sighs> Making a statement that anything is a cure for cancer is there are so many different types of cancer. Um, We'd have to get far more specific. Are we talking about ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine? The hydroxychloroquine. Okay. I'm I'm not even a huge fan of hydroxychloroquine for COVID. Um, I think ivermectin is more effective and um, no, the, we're not going to find some amazing cure for cancer. Let's just start there. There's never going to be a pill. There's never going to be a supplement. There's never going to be a drug that cures cancer. So no, I, I would not get any, you know, hope around ivermectin curing cancer. What, what you're hearing is there's some research that it might inhibit tumor growth. Well, Coconut oil can inhibit tumor growth too. There's lots of things that can inhibit tumor growth. Does that mean I take ivermectin and I'll never get cancer? Or if I have cancer, I take ivermectin and it'll cure it? No. Can I move in next to you and just eat out of your garden? Um, No. (laughs) No, there's, there's plenty of food there. Um, you know, I, I've had so many ideas and things I, I've talked about doing, you know, week long retreats, um, where people come and stay here and, you know, you're part of everything I do, the fermenting and the canning and the gardening and all that stuff. And, um, I, I said it would be some crazy high price, probably $5,000 a person. And I swear I could have sold out the first one that week. Um, I had people calling me and sending me messages. I don't care what it costs. Sign me up. Okay. Um, So I I would love to do something like that. It's not in the cards right now, but it's not out of the question either. All right. 
I appreciate your time. I think that's all I had. All right. Thanks for the call. All right. We are going to wrap this up. We are right at the three-hour mark. Uh, so we will see you back here tomorrow. It's a free-for-all. Friday is going to be interesting. I have that interview with the independent contractor group. Then we'll do a Friday free-for-all. Uh, don't forget, Lauren's got her event coming up this afternoon. Check that out at HealthyTribe.com. Uh, Lauren, thanks as always, and we'll do this again next week. Sounds good, Kevin. All right. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.